93.3 WMMR Audio On Demand presents the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Happy to welcome our next guest to the uh, studio. Is going to be performing at uh, the Delaware Theater Company. We're going to be performing one November Yankee along with Stephanie Powers. Yes. Please welcome Mr. Harry Hamlin. Yeah. To the Good morning. I love the applause. <laughs> never gets applause. old, does it? Never, never, never. That's why I like live theater. I'll bet, man. That's got to be. You know, we've uh, we've been we've had the the pleasure of being on stage to we're not performers, yeah. but introducing and, and things like that, and hosting events and so on. And then we've done a little bit of bizarrely a little on camera work before uh, in studios and so forth. And there's no comparison of that immediate feedback. Here's what we think of what you're doing right now. Yeah, let's hope they like it. Let's <laughs> yeah. that they do like it. Well, this, that. this uh, one November Yankee, and I, uh, when I first saw the title, it, it, so it's the phonetic alphabet, is it? Is it not? It, it's, 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 it's a crashed plane. It's the call letters on a, on a crashed plane. Right. Uh, one New York, one November Yankee. Um, and the, the, the play is really about, um, it's not really about a crashed plane, though there is a crashed plane in the play, and the plane crashes do come up in the in the plot. It's actually like a, the set is actually a, a, a mock-up of, a, of a, like a Piper Cub, right? It's an actual yeah a two two size Piper Cub crashed Piper Cub yeah. on the stage, um, and that it serves as a set piece for not only a, a crashed plane but also an art installation. So the play is really about kind of where we are post nine eleven in America, how how we are going. Politically, but also how we're going in the how the art world is mixing in with the culture and what's happened at, since nine eleven to our culture, and it's really kind of about a, a kind of crashing and burning of um, of what once was a great society. So you're it's you and uh, your sister, I assume, right? Is that the, is we that the play brother and sister? We play right. three sets of brothers and sisters, um, right? And we uh, we have different adventures in the three different elements of the play. Uh, and so this is uh, this is the the um, the writer is Joshua Ravitch. Josh Ravitch, right? Yeah. And and so uh, th- it has a. Re- I, I love things with a with a sort of a high concept or unique concept like this. So we're, we're taken through this, and it's, it's so it's a it's a character study. And and it's and, and the the theater itself, I guess, sort of morphs from what I understood. You were in the original production, or you've been in this production we did, before? We did a production. I did a production with Loretta Swit um, in 2012, which was sort of more of a workshop production. It was at what Equity Waiver Theater in L.A. It was a 99 seat theater. You're allowed to do equity plays without right. having to yeah, actually be paid. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> lucky you. <laughs> you to do it. But, but we we worked the kinks through the play. It's a brand new play, so we worked the kinks out then, and it's evolved since then. And now Stephanie is coming in to do it um, with me, and it's it's a, it's very different with Stephanie. Um, she has a whole different kind of approach Take on to the play. It. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's really it's a very a fascinating play to me. I, my agents didn't want me to do it. Agents they don't want you to do plays. <laughs> you know, they, so uh, Josh had been trying to get the play to me. Uh, for a few months back in the day, this is eight or nine years ago, and uh, my agent finally sent it to me on a Friday night with no explanation of what it was. He just he he was so sick of Josh bugging him to get get the play to me that he sent it to me, and and I read it because I obviously was not doing anything on that particular Friday night. Uh, such an exciting <laughs> life, uh, and um, I read this play and it was so amazing, but there was no explanation of who, what, when, or where. It was just the play. His name was on the front, Josh Ravage. So I went on LinkedIn, and I I typed his name in, and, and it came up. That's the way I found him. My agents never would have put me together with him. Right, I, right. I found him on LinkedIn. So there's talk, and I was reading. I don't know if this is true, but this is this this is uh, being considered for a potential uh, a movie production of this. And is that is, is that something you've heard, or is that just? 
internet hearsay. That's internet hearsay. Okay, all but, right. Um, I mean, hey, I mean, we are going to New York with it uh, after this run here in Delaware. We're going to be going to 59 East 59th Street, which is a, a great off-Broadway house. Right. And the intention is, you know, to see if it has a life beyond that, of course. So, yeah. so... Uh, it's, so you talk about the, the, the general overall um, gist of the play, but it but it is these 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 two people who are left in this situation. We assume uh, that they're you know they're now they're in a, a, a situation where they're they're stranded, and 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 well, that's one one yeah. of the elements of the play. There there are several acts, but one of the elements of the play is an actual plane crash where they are they have to figure out how to deal with the being out in the forest and uh, having crash in a plane. But but really, the it's 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 also an art installation. It's okay. also uh, a take on the modern art scene. And does the theater itself, is there morphing that takes place within the theater? Or, you know, I, I heard that there were trees in the original production that trees appeared and things like that. Well, like, you know, the trees make an appearance. Okay. okay. There's, there's a, there's when trees some, make an appearance, that impresses there's me. There's some yeah, smoke. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and, all right. Uh, I like that. there's fire extinguishers and there's like sound <laughs> effects and stuff. You know? I like that. So yeah. you said Stephanie coming in after, it was at Loretta Sweat, you right. said, mm-hmm. um, initially. When you get somebody that comes in and adds a, a different complexion, uh, because of their speech pattern, their delivery, whatever it may be, how does that change what you're doing? Because you've been playing it one way for uh, well, a I did it time. years ago. I've, I've I've forgotten all the words. Come on, it's eight or nine years ago. So, <laughs> okay, um, but uh, no, it's she's she brings a different kind of light to it than than uh, Loretta had, and uh, and it's, it's not better or worse. It's just different, and mm-hmm. uh, and she's great. She, uh, she's lovely in the production, and she brings a great light to it. Sometimes shows like this, you know, and 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 you've. You um, a lot of times it takes people going actually going to the theater to if they've never been to realize how wonderful it is and also to if they've been before to be reminded how interesting it is to see something like that to see there is a certain energy that cannot be translated through film or through television that exists only in a theater where That's you right. where your mind helps you suspend the reality and you're focused it, you know the, the ability to focus in on on, on the, the exchange between the actors and the performances to see the things to see it, it's 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 something we tend to forget because we're so bombarded with media that that is as organic as it gets that's true and, and this this show is very kinetic so and with only two people so we've got to be moving all the time we've got to be screaming at each other all the time we've got to be trying to get out of scrapes all the time so it's it's a fun romp it's about 90 minutes of of fun, I'd say, and it's really funny too. Uh, Josh is hysterical. You're very funny, by the way, and I want to tell you this. I was telling these guys earlier, and just to to immediately jump to this because I know that obviously there's uh, Clash of the Titans and other things in your history that we want to talk about as well. But I happen to be a fan of a movie. I think you're extraordinarily funny, and a movie called Movie Movie oh, uh, yeah. that uh, Stanley Donen uh, directed. And I was showing Preston some of the, the clips of it, and, I, and George C. Scott's in it, and uh, Art Carney, and. A whole bunch of, uh, of of people, and it's an homage to classic movie styles. And you're in a, in a sequence where you play a, a, a Joey Popchick, who's a boxer. And that was that your first big movie? That was my first movie at all. The first time ever on camera. And yeah. Stanley Donen had seen you in, in a stage production. No, no, I uh, actually I I, I wasn't going to do movies. I was just going to be a theater actor okay. forever. I was never going to do them. And uh, and a casting director at Warner Bros. had seen me do a play. Had this play Equus. Uh, yeah, I was. Yeah. Played the boy naked uh, <laughs> in that, um, and so um, she asked me to come in to to uh, just to see if I would ever want to do movies or television or anything like that. And I I resisted. I said, No, I'm not going to come. I'm not going to come. But I, finally, a friend of mine was going to Warner Brothers and said, Come along. And I met. I ended up meeting her, and um, and she said that this guy Stanley Donnan, who I didn't know, I was not really a uh, film buff at the time. 
that he was coming into town and he had a couple of girls that he was he was screen testing and what they kind of needed a, a trained actor to read lines to them off screen it was uh toba felchu and ann reinking were coming into town and uh so i i was come i had a fulbright scholarship to study in london to go to london and and do more classical training i guess and uh i said i'm not going to do this movie i'm going to london i'm a theater actor i'm not a film actor and right. uh, so I, I, they, they said they'd give me 250 bucks or, or a 35-millimeter camera, which is the one thing I needed on uh, my trip to London, <laughs> if I would come in and read with these two girls, uh, just throw them lines off camera. And I went and I did that for two days. And, and after I did it, Stanley uh, offered me the lead in the movie. And, uh, That's I, pretty wild. It was wild. Right? And then you're resisting it. it. You I turned said, it down. I said, no. I said, I'm going to London. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to go study in London. and uh, Was George C. Scott attached to the project course, at this time? Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was George C. Scott. That's and, a ballsy move. Well, um, I just I had no intention to do movies. I was yeah. just going to do theater. and uh, Why not? It, it, because of the prestige attached to the theater or because it just, movies weren't for you? or what? what? Mm, yeah, I just never, I, I wanted to be a stage actor. I, yeah. was not, mm-hmm. um, I didn't want to do TV. I didn't want to do movies. I just wanted to work on the stage. I wanted to do, I was classically trained, so I wanted to do the classics and... Um, but my mother really wanted to meet Georgie's <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Mom and made the decision. Mom, she, she said, you, you, what do you, what do you, why do you need a Fulbright scholarship on your resume? You were, she said, you went to Yale, which I did. She said, you, you, you've got an MFA from American Conservatory Theater, which is the most prestigious theater in the West Coast. And, and, and a psychology degree, right? And I got a degree in psychology as well, but that's, you know. Yeah. That has helped deal with ex-wives. <laughs> so you did. A, you, you went to high school here in in Pottstown. I did. I went uh, to high school. The Hill School. I went to the Hill School. Strat, and this is my first time back in Philadelphia in fifty years. Stop. Wow! Really? My 50th wow. You know, the fiftieth reunion is coming up in May, so I'll be coming back then. It's now uh, co-ed, by the way. When you were there, it was not, and now uh, women can attend as well. Uh, they can. They and and uh, I, I was a big part of that. In fact, um, well, now you can go tell them you met George C. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> what was your sister school back then? Did you have a sister school? Uh, Shipley, I think. Was it? Uh, there was a girl that uh, I had a girlfriend at Shipley on the main line, and she would uh, sneak onto this <laughs> campus. At, you know, um, very ballsy move on her part. Um, she yeah. never got caught. She would sneak into my room, and uh, and you would her study. Brother, her brother actually became quite a famous actor, Jack Coleman. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I haven't well, seen her in a long time. So, okay. So I haven't th- seen her in 50 years. This, <laughs> this reticence to do to do movies. Uh, uh, and, um, uh, you know, so you, you, you do movie movie, which I, I if you've no one seen it, it's it's available on Amazon Prime. Uh, and it's, it's hilarious. Um, and then obviously you have a, a storied career with television and film. I assume Clash of the Titans comes along. And here again, you have a chance you're working in a film with Laurence Olivier. Which is you know, the, the actor's actor and a master of classics. So was that a little bit more of an easy sell for you with that ensemble? Well, that's I did the movie because I wanted to meet him. Yeah. Because um, I'd read the script and it wasn't really my cup of tea. Right. But, um, but he was in it. And, and uh, I, it, oddly enough, I had been offered another movie that year called Tristan and Assault. that was filming at exactly the same time that Kate Mulgrew was playing Assault and I was asked to play... Tristan, and that was Richard Burton was in yeah. that movie. Um, and so I had to, well, do I want to re- meet Richard Burton or do I want to meet Laurence Olivier? And, uh, <laughs> so I chose Olivier. Olivier um, considered the actor's actor. Yeah. Yeah. And I and always my hero. Yeah. And, uh, 
and wrote me a great letter at the end of the filming because it was his 70th birthday, and I gave him a copy of Paco Bell's Canon in D Major, which is just kind of coming back into into the zeitgeist then. And um, he'd never heard it before, and he wrote me this beautiful letter apologizing for being in the movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Uh, Are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. This, wow. is, this is the movie that... Because he knew that I revered him, and he yeah. knew that I, that I knew he was a great actor, and he'd done yeah. all these great movies, and this was this, you know, Clash of the Titans. He plays uh, Zeus, by the way. He yeah. plays yeah. Zeus yeah. in the movie, but, you know, it wasn't... I wouldn't say that it was a great film on any level, but um, it certainly has had legs. Yeah, um, it was fun. It was fun, yeah. you know. But um, he apologized. He said, "I still have this letter. I, I framed it." You know, he says, oh, that's uh, he fantastic. Said, I, uh, you know, he said something like, uh, "You know, I'm, you're such a great friend, and I love this music, and and I'm sorry that you had we had to meet under these circumstances." <laughs> he said, "I have so many mouths to feed. You see, I, I had to do this film." Huh. Wow, that is. That's I guess it's hilarious. like Alec Guinness in Star Wars. You know. He was not a fan yeah. of Star Wars, yeah. yeah. But I mean, so and these things go on to have this incredible pop culture afterlife, yeah. and uh, uh, so uh, so you're you're a part of that. I do, what, and then uh, obviously L.A. Law, which was a which was a uh, a highlight. Well, but before we get to that, because if we're yeah, can we go going to, chrono- to uh, yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, but I want to sort of go in chronological order because you were in a, a movie that I watched. I can't even tell you how many times, but Blue Skies again. I loved that movie growing up. It was on HBO or Cinemax, and I watched it. I can't tell you how many times I watched it. I don't know this film. You're kidding. You're the only person I know in my life who no. saw that movie. So, all right, so no, Preston, no one has ever come up to me and said, oh, I loved you in Blue Skies again. So you're looking I mean, at, at a movie poster here, Preston. There's a woman here. Uh, her character's name is Paula, and she uh, was a really good baseball player and wanted right. to uh, make it in Major League Baseball as a pitcher. And, um, uh, oh, geez, uh, Tom Cruise's ex-wife. Mimi Rogers. Mimi Rogers yeah. was in it. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, a young Andy Garcia was in it. It was but, Andy's first movie. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I I love that movie. And I don't, um, you know, it, it's just, uh, to me, um, you know, it just, uh, it's like... It's crazy I, I, that I, I've never seen the movie. I'm seeing. I'm looking at. It. I'm seeing it? it on screen right now because it's behind <laughs> you. I've never seen this movie, and and uh, I, I play poker with Mimi Rogers a lot. Uh, she's in our poker group, um, but. Uh, we talk about it from time to time. We'll say, "Well, remember that movie we did? That crazy <laughs> Andy Garcia was in that movie." Blah blah blah. But no, you're the first person who has ever come up to me or ever mentioned that I did that movie. So, so I'm, I'm pretty yeah. good with movies. I've never heard of this movie. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if it ever had a theatrical release, and if or if it was like you know the Netflix version of you know like what I saw on HBO or Cinemax. But it was on quite a bit. When and so. You never saw it. You only acted in it. I you... only acted in it, and my father passed away during the filming. And um, I remember when I went immediately. Uh, we had a, a thing for him, a, a memorial for him, or something. But I never, the movie never, I never saw it. So. Do you do you demure from seeing yourself in 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 films and projects and stuff like that? Do you like seeing yourself on screen, or or are you overly critical? What's your take on that? Um, I'm just bored. You just bored? No, I, yeah. don't, I don't watch it because I've I've been there. I've done it. Yeah. And, uh, okay. So it's it's not something that it's a waste of time. Did you, you have know? the difficulty? And I've heard people talk about this about the the, the difference between the, the the intimacy of a of a of a film camera or of a, a television camera and the stage. The stage is such a more you know it's a it, it, the performances are are, are different. Obviously, dr- dramatically different, no pun intended. So d- was that an adjustment because you're trained in classics and you're doing all this and, and then you're asked to be, you know, the camera's, you know, right well, up I on you. I think I was I was lucky with the movie that you were talking about, Movie Movie, yeah. uh, with George C. E. Scott. That movie 
was broad. The character was so. My first film, I was able to be somewhat broad, and that was I was Joey Popchick, the millionaire delivery boy. You know? <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and and so I, I got lucky because it was it was a much broader take because uh, it was an homage to old movies and stuff. So so when you're in a movie or a TV show, uh, you have multiple takes or or you know you have a little bit more time to tap into an emotion. Um, if maybe you're having a hard time, you know, tapping into said emotion at a specific time, it's like all right, well, let's just take a break. Let me see if I can find my center, whatever it is. But on the stage, it's. It, it, how do you find that, and, and how are you able to tap in? And maintain know, it. And maintain it at any given time. Um, that's a good question, and I, I don't know the exact process. I'm not sure how that works, but uh, if the play is written well, uh, the the moments they move up, they, they align, and you find the emotion. I, uh, I mean, you, you, I'm sorry, to, but you mentioned Equus, and I always thought Equus had to be one, one of the most difficult roles, especially that role, the tortured kid who's who's you know there's a horrible story and 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 richard burton played the uh the analyst in the in the, in the movie was was nominated for that but it's you're 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 nude a lot in in the in the movie right um i mean in this yeah. in the play yeah I, I wrote a book about 10 years ago called full frontal nudity in fact yeah. Uh, yeah. which uh, <laughs> which kind of explains uh, it, it's an expose in a way and you there's not you can't get more exposed than being totally frontally nude in front of 1,600 people every night <laughs> How do you for two years. work uh, up to that? <laughs> uh, <it's> work up? <laughs> okay. Or work, uh, okay. whatever. <laughs> yeah. Because well, I, I kept wanting them to put, put the heat on in the theater. <laughs> so, um, to enrich your performance. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, that was my first big professional job, and I came right out of acting school, and uh, I was... The right age, and uh, and the, they actually, um, when the, when the director asked me to take my clothes off in the audition, I refused the first time. Yeah, I said no, I'm not going to do that. So he cast somebody else. Uh, that per- person didn't really work out, and uh, I ended up going into the play. Well, actually, that person went. They went on tour to Russia, and that person had to demure, get out of the uh, part. So I went in after he went in. So, But I, at first, I, I refused. I said, I'm not going to take my clothes off. I'll take them off for the show, but I'm not going to take them off in this room with you. Right, so, right. right. Harry, you had a run on Shameless for a stretch, and uh, you played uh, a, a gay lover of one of the main characters. Were you nude in Shameless as well? I forget. Cause you were, I was. Yeah, I thought so. There's uh, a lot of nudity in that. There is, but that's yeah. how, it's hard to remember because most of the characters at one point or another, including William H. Macy, end up naked. Yeah, I was, I was, you know, you know, I was 60-something and naked in that. And I remember um, they gave me about three weeks' notice. They said, you know, you're not, not going to wear any clothes in this. In this <laughs> Start job. doing push-ups? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You think the Atkins diet and push-ups and the gym, you name it, you know, yeah. But you've always you've always been in shape, so I guess at that time, like when Equus is coming up, you, you were you know it, it's such it's such a, a, a tortured story. Uh, but I, I I you have to I assume the level of focus to to not be uh, I'm naked I'm naked I'm naked you know to just <laughs> yeah. to be doing that must well, be we didn't we actually never um, we never in rehearsals we never took our clothes off. Okay, and the director said I want you to take your clothes off on opening night for the first time, so that it's like electric. Right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we're, I, I was off stage before going on for that scene, which is the final scene. And uh, I was singing, climb every mountain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, no, uh, no, I was, seriously. Uh, and uh, and then I got out on stage. And in, in the way that it was designed, there were people in bleachers right in front of us, like students who could get half price tickets. And there were bleachers right on the stage. So that four or five feet away from us, there was a row of people. 
And then there were 1,600 people out in the audience because it's a huge theater at yeah. the American Conservatory Theater, the Gary Theater. And I was standing on stage, and I was peeling my pants down. And when my pants got to my knees, I saw every eyeball in the house drift down. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the kids, every, I mean, everybody, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. in the part. I'm in the play. I'm, I'm, but I'm also noticing that all the eyeballs are only going to one spot. <laughs> so, of course. Uh, How could you not? Um, yeah. But anyway, so climb every mountain. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, talk, uh, we're, I mentioned L.A. Law, which, and, and I was thinking about that, and at the time, you know, when you talk about shows of that level, we're talking about, you know, when they used to have the NBC was must-see TV and all that stuff, and now with, the, with streaming services and so on and so forth, L.A. Law was a, a cornerstone of pop culture. St- I mean, people always talked every week to week. Um, you know, it was such a popular show. It was Stephen Bochco, I believe, right. correct? And just incredible writing, incredible performances, great ensemble. Uh, what was the, I mean, did you notice a sort of a quantum leap up? In, I mean, the, you have to be, with that many millions of people watching you, does your life uh, sort of uh, take a, a massive shift with your being recognized and so on and so forth? Any, any memories from that period when the show really took off? Um, well, yeah, I mean, you get yeah. recognized a lot more because yeah, there were 20 million people a week watching the show. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it was pretty crazy. I pr- much prefer the anonymity that I have now. I can, you know, it's much I went to the mall yesterday. It's great. Just, <laughs> Just going it's to fantastic. the mall. Fantastic, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, L.A. Law was, was uh, an, a, an amazing show. It was um, some. I didn't want to do television, really. Um, I didn't watch TV at the time. I'd ever, I never. I maybe saw four episodes of L.A. Law during the entire time I was on it. Really? Yeah. Uh, Did you I, enjoy the experience overall, though? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was great. Yeah. Uh, the people were lovely. The the cast members. It was a fantastic. And you're right. The ensemble was great. But the reason I ended up doing L.A. Law is because I made a movie called Making Love in 1981. I right. think it was 81 or 82, which was the first studio. Uh, picture, big studio picture that, involving a gay love story, and uh, no one in town would do it. But I remember that movie, and it yeah. was it was a solid movie. Who was your co-star in that? Uh, Michael Unkeen, right? And Who Kate was... Jackson was in it too. So, um, and it was just ten years before its time, and so I played a gay character in it. And uh, it was re- a really thoughtful movie. It was really it was it was it was yeah. it, it, it predated AIDS yeah. and, and HIV. Um, and it was a, it was a, something that was really happening in the world, but no one was really talking about it. So it was a real movie. It was a really, it was a story about a real cultural movement that was going on. But in, in order to do it, I had to play a gay character. In playing a gay character at that time, it was just way ahead of its time. They, mm-hmm. the, the business wasn't ready to to accept a, yeah. a gay character, and so. That was the last picture I ever did, the last studio movie I ever did. As I recollect, uh, uh, Michael Ankin is you. He has Kay Jackson as his, his wife, girlfriend, yeah, his wife, his wife. And, mm-hmm. and he is gets involved in a relationship with He's, you. He comes out of the closet with me. It sort of broke yeah. back mountain before it broke back mountain. Exactly. Yeah. But um, but it just it meant the end of my film career. Really? Yeah. That was it. Ha. Huh. So is that because TV. people thought that they wouldn't be able to see you as a as a straight man anymore? I imagine so. I'm yeah. not sure. I, you know, it's just the 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 door closed after that movie. Yeah, it's right. crazy huh. uh, when you think about it in those terms. But I do remember there was there was a big controversy about that movie. Yeah, and I got and, yeah. and so I guess it could. That's why for so long you had actors who would. Um, I mean, the classic story of Rock Hudson, you know, having sort of a, a faux Hollywood right. life. Yeah, right. To, right. to 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 cover that. 
Well, you're in town for the next few weeks. Uh, is is your wife Lisa going to be uh, popping in to visit at all? She is, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you were talking. We were talking off air about uh, QVC and doing some things there. She has. Uh, what what does she uh, do as far as her? You said she has a line. That well, she, she designs. She has a line of clothing, the Lisa okay. Lena collection. Yeah. And so, um, you know, she does this other show. I don't know if you've heard of it, yes. but it's called The Housewives. <laughs> I've heard of it. <laughs> All right. Heard so how is it. that for so. you? How is that for you? Because she's, uh, uh, she, you always see her popping up little clips on, uh, you know, on, on the Internet. She's um, constantly dancing. I follow her on social media. Yeah. I love her dance videos. Yeah, I don't follow her on social media. <laughs> uh, but I've heard about, I, I hear about her um, every once in a while. She'll show me some of this stuff that she does. Um, she's in phenomenal she's shape. So does she yeah. work she's out nice. constantly? She's she, in amazing shape. She is in amazing shape. No, I'm, I'm a very lucky guy when it comes to that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But a few years ago, she did the Howard Stern show. Yeah. And, um, and she said, Harry... Don't listen to the house. Whatever you do, don't ever listen to me. And and I took that as a hint, like, don't follow me on social media. Uh, that was the know. point at which you realize better said, what you don't know is better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sure. So I, I have my own idea of who she is, <laughs> and it works for me, you know. And uh, Have you ever watched one episode of the of the real? Oh, I've, I've seen them all. No, I, I, I sit with her because, you know, this is where my psychology degree yeah. comes in because I can kind of help get her through because psychologically it's a very tough show uh, to do for her uh, and and all the people on the show right it's, it's a it's a it's a psychological minefield um and so how much just, is i mean so we're familiar with reality and quote unquote reality and sculpted reality um you know uh, how, how, manipula- is how manipulated is it it's not it really it, you know it's uh, i mean Look, I mean, they might say, hey, it's, it's getting a little boring now. Uh, can you turn up the heat or something? And someone might do something that's a little outrageous. But, okay. Uh, but there's no script to it at all. All it's, right. Uh, it's an unscripted reality show, for sure. It's, I mean, it's a modern soap opera. You know, it, 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 it takes, like you were talking about, psychology of backstabbing and talking behind people's backs and um, one-upping and, and being manipulative and turns that into television. How can you talk behind somebody's back when the camera's Camera on you? <laughs> you know they're going to You have a degree. This. You have yeah. a degree in this. Uh, you know, do, do, if do you, you forget? Is this, is this a healthy dynamic or do you feel it has, it, you called it a minefield, so I guess you don't, uh, you know. I, I, I wouldn't say it's healthy, um, <laughs> but it's it's a, it's good branding. I mean, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, for, for our clothing line, it works well. And, um, oh and God, for, yeah. for Lisa... You know, she has lots of opportunities that have sprung up in and around this thing. And when she first came to me, um, and she said, um, I, they're talking to me about doing the housewives, I picked up my phone and I, I went to, I, I've been married a couple of times, so I have a couple of my divorce lawyers actually on speed dial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said, really, I don't think this is a good idea, and I'm, I'm going to have to call my guy. Oh, know? wow. And, uh, <laughs> and then she said, well, maybe you should talk to this girl, Bethany Frankel, um, who is a friend of, of yeah. Lisa's, and, and ask her about her her uh, experience with a, a line called Skinny Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, Made so her I did. multi-millionaire. So I, so I talked to her about that, and I, uh, the next day I said, well, I think I'll... I'll I won't call my life, my guy. <laughs> right. <long>. Yeah. <laughs> but no, she. You know, it, it is a very strange thing that she does that show. But on the other hand, you know, she does it really well. Yeah. I mean, and she has come out looking great on the show, yeah. and so. I'm there saying, you go. Yeah. Oh, you, you well, approach it from, from 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 a promotional aspect, and you know, you, you're right. You can't beat that on a marketing level. It's crazy. 
Well, if she comes in town and, yes. and you guys have a free morning, you're tired of going to the mall and hanging out. <laughs> Come by here. We We'd love to have her by. We want to meet her. I want to dance with her. Cat. We'll yeah, dance. We'll have a table to flip over. We'll have champagne. Whatever right. you need. Yeah. Whatever she wants. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Uh, well, listen, I do want to remind people that the reason Harry Hamlin is here is because he's promoting a show. It's at the Delaware Theater Company, and it is called One November Yankee, and co-stars Stephanie Powers as well. When is your is your uh, your reunion? Is it going to be while you're here for, for the Hill School, or is it later? No, that's in, in May or June. It's okay. Like, yeah. All right. Well, you're welcome back when that happens. Yeah. Absolutely. So great. Thank yeah. you guys so much. This is so great. Absolutely. Fantastic. Pleasure to meet you. Thanks for being here. Harry Hamlin, guys. Yeah! Yep. Stream WMMR anywhere you have an internet connection. Check out the mobile app or go to WMMR.com. You'll figure it out from there. Hi, I'm Steven Singer. Yep, that's me, the I Hate Steven Singer guy. People ask me all the time, what does this mean, I Hate Steven Singer? Well, maybe this is the reason. At my store, we don't play pricing games. We wouldn't treat our friends like that. We only have one price. One place, one price. Come to my store and feel the difference. You'll have fun buying a diamond for somebody you love. Steven Singer Jewelers. One place, one price. 888-I-HATE-STEVEN-SINGER. Online, IHateStevenSinger.com. And our flagship store at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. I don't know what we're doing. Well, we have to do uh, okay. something now. Oh. All right. It's a little thing that uh, we put together that's going to involve you uh-huh. having to put on blindfold because we have a mystery a guest. A mystery guest. Okay. And I love mystery guests. Perhaps. Guests. Good. The most yeah. mysterious mystery guest of ever. Really? Yes. Mm. Uh, we won't go any further than say that. You think you'll get it? I All think right. so, yeah. All, All right. right. So okay. we need you to put on your a blindfold, please. All right. Take the glasses off. All right. Hang on. All righty. Yay. So. Now, you know, there were a number of things that, that had, uh, you know, the Acme thing today sort of took the wind out of Casey's uh, yeah. plans and, and his proverbial plan sales, whatever the hell you call them. But we are left with this, and we think it's going to be fairly exciting in case we have a mechanism by which we're going to do this. And perhaps play for listeners, correct? Yeah, uh, well, you know, as Bill Weston always says, uh, what's in it for the listeners? What's so, in it for the listeners? Uh, so. what's, uh, we're going to need, I think, um, five callers on the line. All right. And right. so you want to break it down. The basic gist of it, Preston, as always with a mystery guest, is you're going to have yes or no questions. Uh, okay. Question. Do I need to turn on the guest microphone? No. 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 Oh, no. Okay. Because we're going we're gonna to use my processor to hide the voice. Also, oh, okay, on my side. Yes. All right. So you'll gotcha. be all set. Okay. Uh, how do you want to do it incrementally? Because uh, I think if Preston can guess the mystery guess between guesses one and five, questions one and five, yeah, uh, that will be one listener. And okay. then you have six and ten, six through ten. Okay. Eleven through fifteen. That's a lot then, of questions. I know. Okay. Okay. And then sixteen through twenty. All and right. then the fifth uh, person is he just doesn't get he, it. He doesn't get it at all. All right. So all again, right. so for, for, through. Uh, one more time, repeat. All right. 20 questions for okay. Preston, and it's questions 1 through 5, 6 through 10, 11 through 15, and 16 through 20. All right. And then not at all. all is, right. is the person in the room now? No. no. Okay. In fact, if we could bring our mystery guest okay. into the room. I am blindfolded. I can't see all right. anything. I always get nervous when we do mystery guests. Yeah. I don't well, know why. It's always hard to get somebody uh, to agree to this. Yeah. Because... Uh, um, right. Yeah, no, it, it is hard to get somebody to agree to do it. And then sometimes we'll eat up half the interview trying to figure out who the hell it is. Right. All right. If they've only got like a 10-minute window. So, All right, uh, so if this person is here, then they have more time than that, which is good. They're, they're here, and uh, we will be able to spend some time after Preston, which is uh, good news. So I'm going to use the high-pitch process okay. to hide this voice, which I think the uh, 
we'll, we'll do a nice masking job. So we're going to begin, Preston, again, yes or no. <laughs> and you are, you're going to have enough time to sort of narrow it down okay. and ask our mystery guest your first question. Okay. Uh, have we ever met in person before? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, do you live in and around the Philadelphia area? Yes. Okay. Are you a public figure? No. No. Oh, wow. Okay. Um. Uh, well, wait one second. <laughs> wait, was that Steve? <laughs> that was Steve. <laughs> With the processor, obviously still on. Uh, you know, people, ask that question again. Are you a public figure? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's modest. His All answer right. might have thrown you. And how, he is, yeah. how many he questions is, is that? That's modest. three. That's, That's three, three questions. All right. <laughs> uh, so you're a man. Steve just said he, by the way. So oh, I got that. Man. Oh, man. Little one out of the way. Uh, are you in, um, is your profession in journalism? Yes. Ah, okay. Uh, do you appear regularly on television? Yes. All right, wait, wait, that's five questions. Do you have a guest real quick? Yeah, I do. Okay. 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 Matt O'Donnell. No. 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 Wow, okay. All right. Hang All right, on a second. Sorry, Tom. Now you are playing for Brian. Brian on line two. Oh, did I, did I get the wrong network and piss somebody off? No, 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 no. no. You're no. good. We no, wouldn't good. do good. that to you. All right. <laughs> Mike Monsell's on line four. You're, 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 <laughs> let me tell you, your mystery guest is very good natured. He's he's smiling. So Okay. All right. So it's not Matt. Um, it's someone I've met in person before. They're on TV. Uh, journalism. Um, hmm. You can ask more questions. Tom. I'm going to. Okay. I'm going to. I'm just trying to uh, to figure out what where that might lead me in, in my next question. Uh, are uh, would we consider ourselves? Or do you consider me a friend of yours? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> are you from an island nation? Yes. <laughs> it's Vi. It's okay. Have I right? No. no! Oh, really? God, you're getting there so close. Oh, man. who's Who else? Who the hell else is from an island nation? You can think broader. Be, this person may be, I think, <gasps> more famous than you're thinking. Oh, wait a minute. Shane Victorino? No. Good, right, good so guess. That's, uh, that's six. That's not a nation, but yeah. it's an island. You know, so now, we have played golf together, so, you know. Now we are moving on to uh, Paul on line three. Wow. Question number 11. Yeah, I'm, uh... Expand your search. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They live in and around the Philadelphia area. Entertainment-wise, journalism, television, island. There are some people who do it all. Who do it all. Oh, okay. So, uh, are you a musician? Yes. Oh. Um, wow. What's your name? No. (laughs) (laughs) Musician, oh my god! I, it, I should know this, right? Uh-huh. Okay, all right, okay. It's, 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 yeah. Everyone's tough. everyone here is smiling because you, you know once you know you. Okay. Yeah. Um. Do we play your music on MMR? Yes. Wow. Uh, do you play drums? Yes. And we're friends. We're considered friends. We're friends. This person's going to kill me. <laughs> uh, are you um, 
Are you black? Yes. I still don't know who it is. <laughs> what a waste of a question. What a waste. Well, I'm trying to, you know. <laughs> More famous than I than I have been leading on to. We're considered friends. I, I mean, I, you know, if I were to liken this person, I'm just going to give you a little help. <laughs> okay. It's kind of like a Swiss army knife of capabilities here. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this person's going to kill I me. I thought you'd be better at this, Preston. Dude, I suck at this. <laughs> I'm good at getting answers. Right, yeah. well, Apparently, doing, I'm good at getting yes you're, answers. You've got nothing but guesses. any yeah. no answers yet. Honestly, which should kind of lead you to, oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> Steve. There, what? Some people texting in are starting to get it. Okay. Really? Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, well, it's not Quest Love because we're, we're, we're not friends. Yeah, that's true. Um... And, um, another guess? I mean, another uh, Another question, question I yeah. guess. I, um, um, yeah, but what's going to help narrow it down? That's the thing that I'm trying to... Maybe other capabilities? Other I, other talents? Uh, okay. Um, do... Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah but... Uh, what? You like to eat? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, right. it's, it's another guess. Well, now we've moved on to Keith. Uh, Paul is, uh, sorry, Paul, but, uh, Keith isn't up next. All right. Um, do you cook? I mean, like, would people know you for your cooking? Yes. Really? Jesus, none of this is helping me. Why are you You don't wasting? know the cooking drummer? <laughs> I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, cooking I, 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 I thought by this time. I know. But keep going. The island cooking journalist drummer. How could you? I mean, come on. Black how can I drummer. Not, how can I yeah. not get it? Yes. Um, you you know, you are on the film board. I'm going to help you with that. Oh, my God. You're right. Okay. I am on the film board. Are You're an actor as well? Are you an actor? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, Philadelphia actor. Black drummer. <laughs> you have three questions left, Russ. Really? Yeah. yeah. I'll, give, I'll give you another hint. It's uh, the person who texted in Black Tommy Lee. That's wrong. <laughs> it's, not, it's not Black Tommy Lee. Oh, that helps. Lee. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Um, acting. Dude, I'm drawing a blank. I, I, Are you giving uh, up? Uh, no. Um, Ask a few more. Okay. Um, Maybe some projects or, or styles of... Acting roles, yeah. movies. You guys are just trying to give this away, aren't you? Well, I mean, He's I know, I know me. he's dying because I know Preston knows it, but he just, yeah. Go ahead. Um, uh, acting roles. Uh, <laughs> do you do? Com- are you mainly known for comedy acting? Yes. Really? It didn't help. <laughs> Dude, we didn't even use a voice processor uh, there. Uh, Jared, did that give it away? To help him, did you yeah. hear the voice? He's gonna know. It didn't oh, give man. it away. No, it didn't give it away. Oh, man. Don't use the voice processor. <laughs> uh, are, do you have a new movie coming out soon? Yes. Last question, Preston. Oh, man. You got it. Man, I don't know. Uh, Come on, Preston. This is terrible. Is everybody getting it right on the text? Yeah. yeah. Everybody. Uh, Everybody's narrowed it down. And have you been in our studio before? Yes. You have. That's your last question. You should know. I know. I don't know. I don't know. You don't know? Wait till you see him. I I have no idea. All right, Preston. Damn it. Take off your blindfold. Hey, hey! Wait a minute. Preston, this is one of the construction workers in our building currently. (laughs) 
He said yes to every question on purpose. You suck. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know. What is your name? <laughs> What's your name? Chino. Chino was good enough to do this. Oh, my God. We had a whole bunch of stuff planned, and it fell through. And at the last minute, Chino was good enough to agree to come over and be your guest. Was, oh my God. was the actual answer yes to any of those questions? Uh, from the islands, right? Nicaragua. Yeah, Where are you from? Nicaragua? Nicaragua. These guys are doing great work in the I'm building here. here. But- I'm beating myself up. You guys are saying, I, I, oh, you ought to know. I mean, Brad, the friend of mine. Nick's like, everybody's drums. getting it. Here's a How many black drummer, actor, comedian, <laughs> journalist. musician, journalist friends are there? Oh, my God. Oh, good job. By and, the way, then, and then I take... If you ask, you a hole. <laughs> okay, so you know, and here's the deal. Man. What, what's your name again? Chino. 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 Yeah. So Chino, I never remember anybody's name. <laughs> right. So when I took my blindfold off and I saw you, I felt horrible because I didn't remember who you were. <laughs> Gino, do we have? Do we have some of our? Where's Marissa? Here we go. We got. We do have a surprise a for surprise. you, Preston. Come on okay. in. Come on. Sing in. happy birthday. Hey, all the construction workers. Come on, hey, everybody on the construction crew. What's up, guys? All right. His friends are saying you're a black drummer. Oh, there we go. You want to sing happy birthday, happy birthday guys? Oh my God. Yeah. They're burning cupcakes. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Preston. Happy birthday to you. Okay, who do we have here? We have Chino. Who are you? Come on. What's that? Come on. And you? Al. Al and? Lawrence Way. Lawrence Way. Okay. Lawrence. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. We're currently uh, doing demo in our building, so we got all these construction guys that are that are running around the offices that we haven't met yet. So. When we got to the uh, the your name portion of the happy birthday song, that all the construction guys What's like, his name? Happy birthday. Is that one Steve? I almost or? said my name's Preston. <laughs> oh my Wanna come? God. Hey, guys. Yeah, help yourself. Oh, my God. Yeah, go ahead. I hope other people thought it was as funny as we did, because I was crying. He kept saying yes, and Preston's like, all right, so you're a journalist, you're from the islands, a you're drummer. A sh- you're a well-known chef. <laughs> I forgot about the chef. Yeah, I was, like, I was just reaching for Why stuff. wouldn't I know this guy? Anything. Oh, I was so insanely confused. Hey, congratulations oh, to Brian B., by the way. Oh, you yeah. were the lucky guy who was just caller five, by the way. <laughs> I'm looking at the text message. One person said, this is stupid, not funny. <laughs> but everybody else thought it was hilarious. We thought it was hilarious. <laughs> so, wait a minute. So, re- were you originally planning on having somebody Yeah, in here? so there was a, you know, Casey had a whole bunch of, Casey does birthdays better than anybody. Yeah, and, and so, uh, we had there a whole bunch of things in motion. And, and uh, actually, there was a, one of our uh, good friends. Yeah. Did you have that, case? Yeah, he, uh, a good friend was going to come in and, and do it. And then, 
As it turned out, he had uh, he's made... He's not that good of a friend. He's not that good of a friend. In fact, he's left us hanging many, many, many well, times. Well, it was actually going to be... The joke was going to be... It was going to be sort of a funny... Not letdown, but like, right. oh, that's my mystery guest. This right. this guy was going to come in. Okay. And it was Todd Glass. It was Todd Glass. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Well, anyhow, that, that was actually a lot of fun. <laughs> I was, when I took the blindfold <laughs> off, I'm looking at I the look guy... At and I felt horrible. Clearly, you guys were indicating that this is a longtime friend, and I ought to know who this is. I didn't even think about that. Oh. So the look on your face, you were like, oh, crap. Who is this I don't guy? Know. The look on my face or, or the expression that I was yeah, co- yeah. trying to convey was, you guys are going to help me with this, right? <laughs> I, like I we didn't know. I, we just met the guy ten seconds ago. We didn't good, even know his name. Yeah. We found out his sport, name though. with you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you guys are you're you're awesome and you suck at the same time. <laughs> oh, that was great. Wow. All right. Well, thank you. Anyway, uh, uh, let's see. I did have something other than my birthday uh, to to bring up, and and it does have to do with a birthday of sorts because. Uh, the other day we were talking about astrological signs and how we've all pretty much, you know, years and years ago, it kind of was kitschy to, or it was uh, fashionable to. It was an opening what, line. Yeah, to see what, what your sign was, yeah. what what uh, what your astrological, you know, prediction was for the year, for the day, blah, blah, blah. And I, I said the other day, I, don't, I didn't even know what my kids' astrological signs were. Uh, and, and what made me think of this is I actually got a very nice note uh, from Sarah, Sarah Parker, uh, Jackson's producer, and she is an Aquarian as well. And she sent me a little nice note. She said, "Happy birthday, you know, to us Aquarians." She's a doll. So that was nice. And so I, I came across uh, this article, and it is from a website called Pure Wow, and they have your biggest fear according to your zodiac sign. Okay. And I kind of brushed it off, but I read mine, and it, while it is not something that is a fear of mine today at what time at one point in time it was it was one of my biggest fears stucco uh no not stucco <laughs> although i hate it because it stains from the ground it up does, you know, it yeah. turns brown at the bottom it does, and it yeah. doesn't look nice but anyway no uh it's it's interesting it says here and i'll read this to you and if you guys want i'll read Please. yours as well yeah. i, I want to see if it jibes with what might be a fear of yours. Let everyone not. guess when we get to our particular ones what, what it is and see if it jives. Okay, sure. Yeah. So Aquarius is being excluded. Fear of being left out. Yeah, yeah. I used to be, you know, uh, fear of FOMO yeah. uh, used to be a thing for me. Like, I would hear... You were a, a FOMO-sexual. Friends, I was a FOMO-sexual. <laughs> 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 we need to just hang it up and leave right now. <laughs> but now I'm a JOMO-sexual. Yeah, that's, that's right. the joy of missing out. But if, but if I heard about something amongst my friends that I missed out yes. on, I got really upset and jealous. That you weren't... Apprised of it, included, or or they thought enough to make you part of it. Mainly that, yeah. Or I just did something stupid and I and I I missed out on an opportunity. Yes. So the Aquarian ethos is born out of the anxiety of feeling that like you don't belong. It says uh, for the zodiacs, resident aliens, no one is too weird to get a seat at the table or at least a seat at some table somewhere. I didn't know I was an alien. <laughs> uh, the Aquarian vision is always macro. They want a world that tolerates all kinds of freaks and geeks, which is true in my account, uh, because no one 
deserves to be uh, deserves to be put in a corner. It says. Mm. So you and you subscribe to the dirty dancing philosophy. I of life. do. Don't put baby in a corner. Uh, so I thought that was kind of close to. I, I I don't have that quite as much anymore. I might occasionally. I definitely want to be invited. I don't want to go, but I just want to yeah, be invited. I, I right? think so. Yeah. But I'm with you on Preston. I I I, I, I we're kind of homebodies, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, I've turned into that. Uh, our jobs are have us out and about so much. Maybe that's part that. Of the that's reason. really we we get enough of that on the job. Yeah, and being home is really where the, you know where you feel the best. Yep. Uh, who wants to go next? Uh, Casey. All right, Casey. Let's go. Let's go uh, what are we going? Uh, Counterclockwise. What is yours? I'm a cancer. Cancer. I'm a cancer. You can get me and Nick out of the way right now. You got a cancer. Hang on a second here. It's not in order. Hang on a second here. Cancer, cancer, cancer. Here we go. You're still reeling from the fact that you were reunited with a great friend of yours. Chino. What's up? Chino and me. Um, Casey, what do you what do you think it might be? Ooh, oh, what do I think it might be? And these don't seem to be things like fear of sharks. heights and sharks and things like that. Fear right. of sharks that you find up high. Well, Nick, can you uh, key in on anything? Well, you guys couldn't be more different. Like, the fact that this explanation is going to supposedly describe both of you, uh, I don't know. Well, I don't know. We have some similarities, but um, uh, maybe overarching fears. You both like, love cardboard. We do love cardboard. <laughs> To eat and to sleep on. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, fear of dying alone. All right, Casey? Yeah, maybe um, I would maybe go fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. Yeah. Uh, kind of close to you, Nick. Abandonment. Okay. Uh, cancers are the most fearful signs in the Zodiac, it says. Oh. Uh, the crab is all about protection from the deepest, most formative childhood wounds of all. Usually they involve some primordial sense that our parents will not always be there for us and that the world is actually not a warm and loving womb, but a hostile and dangerous place. It says, just know that if you ever need to run an errand, you better ask them to come because they're low-key panicking uh, that you that you won't return. Eh, no. I don't think that sounds like you, Casey. Um, hmm, Nick, I'm... I don't know. I don't think I low-key panic very much. If I panic, you guys know. I yeah. I, I low-key panic a little bit, uh, especially You're when... a little bit more more overt though. You you it will it will um uh things weigh on you more. Yeah, no, you, but you what wear, I mean you by... wear your emotions on your sleeve a little bit more. What I mean by low-key panic though is is you know like you were mentioning with errands and stuff like that. Like if my family's out all together, yeah. Like in the same car and stuff like that. Like I get really fearful that that that's that I'm not going to see them ever again. Right? Oh, yeah, okay. sure. Yeah, I got right. you. Okay. Right. And low key panic means you're afraid of uh, hats with giant horns on them. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Steve. Let's go to you. Okay. What's uh, your sign? Uh, Gemini. Gemini. My what do you fear. Think? My yeah. So my fear is. Um, Hurting my wife with my huge genitals. Okay, and <laughs> no, no, no. She's um, tiny. <laughs> no. Um, what would be my fear? This one might be you. Um, this one, this one might. You know, a fear of not having. Um, I, I, you know, well, if you don't want to guess, I'll, I'll it, tell you. It's hard for me yeah. because I'm stupid. Uh, but what, what does it say there? It says, Geminis are known for their extremes. Vacillating between opposite poles is befitting of the twins after all. But the fear at the root of Gemini's chaos is boredom. Um, yes, it, that's that's actually a good point. Because if I go away like on a on a vacation or something, I um, 
I, I, I like to, or, or anything. I like you, to have, I like to have a schedule. I well, like to have, I don't, I don't, idle time is great, but I'm, I'm always still, you know, I'm doing things. Well, it seems like you always need stimuli of some yes, sort. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that you, either you want to be reading or watching something. Right, right. Or engaging in something. And I just, you know, that would speak to the fact that I don't sleep a lot. Yeah. I'm up a lot. It says their heightened curiosity will supersede their sense of personal safety, leading them to set all kinds of fires just to have something interesting to do. Yeah. An idle Gemini is a threat to society and themselves, so please, for the love of all that is holy, entertain them, it says. Uh, I have found myself to be that way as of late. I've realized that I don't like to be doing nothing ever. Like, I want something to do. And that was never me, man. Yeah. Never you me. You would veg? And ne- yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Yes, absolutely. I could spend a lot of time just laying around mm. and doing nothing. Now, now, uh, for example, I, I love, you know, I love watching movies. I, I love, I, uh, but is, is that considered idle time? I, I mean, I'm, No, you're not bored. Yeah, yeah you're I'm watching. not bored. No, no. Yeah, so my old saying used to be, uh, why stand when you can sit, why sit when you, or wait, no, why, what was it? Why walk when you can ride, why stand when you can sit, and why sit when you can lay down. <laughs> <laughs> Words to live by. Yeah, right. All right. Kathy, your sign, please. Uh, Virgo. Virgo the Virgin. Uh, let's find this. Virgo. Um, <laughs> what's your fear, Kathy? What do you think, do you think your fear would be? Um... Like uh, disoriented or, or or not organized, like some sort of um, disorganization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, uh, Virgo. It says Virgos are the opposite of humble braggers. They would rather die with zero recognition for excellent work uh, than egot uh, for something they consider subpar. Basically, that you were unworthy. That's your fear. That you were unworthy. Uh, the Virgin is concerned primarily with ethics, and part of the reason they confidently wield their critical eyes because they've made damn sure that they can live up to it. Mm. The fear of falling, failing their own test of integrity is why they work so hard in the first place. Interesting. Mm. That make any sense? Does that make sense? Yeah, it kind of does. I mean, yeah. I... You know, we always don't... The tendency with these things, though, Kathy, is to always sort of... Yes! You know, like, we, we sort of... That does fit me, even sometimes when it does, like, even, well, even with the expression of me, I'm like, maybe that is me, you yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, like, forever, I have always been, like, even when I was young in high school, college, I've always been hardest on myself. Like, I never got, you know, pushback from my parents. It was always myself that was disappointed. Okay. I, well, I'm so. kind of like, well, I never feel I'm, I'm worthy. I mean, I, you know, I never, um, uh, you know, uh, I, that's why I'm, I'm always the, the kind of person that I always want to make everybody feel as you feel, are you comfortable? That's why years ago the notion of throwing a party was so horrific to me because, like, what if someone doesn't have a good time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And then I found out all you have to do is provide booze. And, and everybody, everybody has, has a good, good time. time. Uh, Marissa, what is your astrological sign? I'm a Leo the lion. Leo the lion. All right. And we will you see. You want courage. According to this, <laughs> what your biggest fear is. What would you say? You're you're a, uh, uh, a homosexual. <laughs> Fear of missing out, right? Uh, yeah. See, I, I'm listening to all of these, and I kind of think that it's going to be all of them. Because as I'm hearing it, I'm thinking, like, oh, I don't want to be left out. Oh, I don't want uh, to make people unhappy. Um, I don't want to lose control. So maybe it's some mm. sort of mixture of everything. You're like a, an astrological mixtape. Your fear is that you are unlovable. Oh. Leos are all about self-expression and authenticity, and ultimately they just want to be loved for who they really are. 
cheese lovers. Uh, but, but as the as they peel back the layers of their identity, they risk not liking what they discover. Hmm. The worst fear a lion could confront is that they don't even like themselves. I don't know if it matters, but Marissa, Kathy, and I are all on the cusp. So Kathy and Marissa are right on the cusp of each other, Virgo and Leo, uh, and I'm on the cusp of Cancer and Leo. Mm. So sometimes people who take stock in these types of things say that if you're right by the border, you're you bicuspid. That you're bicuspid. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're a sharp tooth. <laughs> but it's funny you say that because I did a, a, a Philly Magazine thing a few weeks ago, and somebody asked, you know, what's your biggest fear? And I said that people don't like me. Like, I just want to go yeah. out of my way to make sure that, like, I'm friends with everyone. I want to meet everybody and just make sure they're having fun. Sure. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Okay. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Anyhow, I thought it was a... It's in, all hooey. I thought it was... I agree. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was a bit of a follow-up to the conversation. People do like... That's how the original mad run of the astrological... Um, the, the, the you know that's, that's how they started. That's why they started appearing in newspapers. Is because yeah, that's a big thing. Do you ever remember for astrological signs for for the zodiac, uh, Steve? They would sell these tiny little bitty scrolls. Oh yeah, do you remember? I those? do remember those. Do you yeah, guys yeah, remember yeah, them? Yeah, no. And you, they'd be a, sort of a, de- a description of your yeah. They'd be like a, at a convenience store, and they were in a little tiny little tube. They're probably, they're probably like two three inches long. And uh, yeah, you would you'd buy it. It was you know it's a buck or whatever, yeah. and you'd open it up, and it would give you the rundown of all your. They had little little um, predictions, little like little pinholes that they were all in rolled up, and you would pull them out of your astrological. They, they'd be yeah. in categories, yes, and you'd pull them out. Yep, you'd see them all over the place. Yep, like uh, troll dolls. It was a it was a uh, it was a thing back in the day. Yes, case. Hey, um, when we're done with this, we're we done. do we uh, okay? We do have the audio, your special birthday surprise message. If you wanted to to listen to that as we uh, this is this, separate this break. from uh, this is separate, separate from, from the thing we did earlier. Separate yeah. from yeah. the thing. This isn't from Chino, my buddy. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. The uh, the black chef drummer journalist. from an island <laughs> nation who is a journalist and is a. By the way, I, I love. I now that I'm thinking back about this, I asked him if he was a public figure, and he initially said no. And you told him to say yes. yes. <laughs> we tried did to pass you, it off that he was too modest. Yeah. Did, did you say? Uh, I said say yes to say everything. Yes. <laughs> He's too modest. <laughs> And then you started saying, I didn't say it. Just to give you more questions. All right. Here's my special birthday message. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, here we go. All right, we're good, we're good, we're good. Okay, Preston, happy birthday. We're here with some people uh, from the show. Oh, did you hear that whistle? That means we're having a good time. And, uh, <laughs> and we wanted to sing happy birthday. Hope you have a happy birthday. You know, everyone says they don't really care about their... Hold on. Everybody says they don't care about their birthday. But you know what? Getting a little love thrown your way, it's no big deal, right? Sure, here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Preston, they skipped it. Which way to the end? Oh, God, I think I just shit in my pants. 
Who is Todd with? His uh, band. He's got a yeah. band that oh, he performs with. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Nice. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know what? I would like to uh, thank. You know, I'm turning 51 today. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank uh, one of my best friends, Will Chapman, for giving me a a wonderful look into turning 50. He told me about it last year. So once you're in your 50s, and it's given me a a great amount of freedom. And the way he he explained it is when you turn 50 years old. Uh, you can use that as an excuse for just about anything uh, that you want or don't want to do. Yes. Because you can use the phrase, you know what, I'm 50 years old. If I don't yeah. want to do that, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, no, I love it. You know what, I'm 50 years old. If I want to do that, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm taking this bag of money. Thank you. That's right. <laughs> I'm 50 years old. I can take that bag of money. If the I Wells Fargo door is open, I'm taking it. Yep, exactly. I think it's really cool that you and the uh, the uh, radio station are the same age. You both turned 50 last year sure. and you both turned 60. Yeah, I think yeah. that's awesome. That was the year. Summer of love, man. Even and you're both friends with Gino. Uh, Gino. <laughs> you know. I, listen, I can't say enough about Gino. Through thick and thin. Um, he's always been there, and I just want to say thank you, Chino, for everything you've given me. Um, and uh, lifelong friendship. I love you, man. I do, and I just wanted everybody here to know that. I want to see the the video of your reaction when the when the again. The, <laughs> I do too, because it was it was pure yeah, confusion, that panic. Um, and I'm like, you guys, you guys are going to tell me who this is, right? <laughs> As the year draws to a close, 93.3 WMMR looks back at everything that rocked 2019 with our top 25 songs of the year countdown. Vote for your favorites now at WMMR.com. Then catch it New Year's Eve starting at 7 p.m. on 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. Our next guest and his band are no strangers to this radio station. Uh, they have graced the stage at the MMRBQ on a few occasions, and they're just absolutely wonderful. Uh, he is in town to play a Sans band, though, because he's got his first solo album out. It's called One Alone. Please welcome William Duvall. Yeah! Of Allison Chains. Hey, William, how you doing, man? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. Nice. This album... One alone is what I would say is the equivalent in acting to full frontal nudity. <laughs> because this is you and a guitar. That's right. Yeah, it's one guitar, one voice for the whole album. That's a pretty cool and ambitious thing to take on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. funny, though, because that's. I, mean, I assume that's the way you compose, right? Right. So, uh, it, it, you know, it, it is the most direct from... Initial concept to execution exactly. to stage reaction. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it's it's giving you the songs uh, right from their origin. Yeah. You know, without the embellish. Because so many times, I guess, and, and you know, um, Preston's a musician, uh, but you know, to, to uh, things get flourished up or they go through the process, and you know, something the way it ends up on a record. You know, these songs are designed to be this way, and so in a way, you know, it's 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 it's, it's pure. But as Preston says, you're out there. Love yeah. you'd love it or hate it, you totally, know. Yeah, totally. yeah, and that and that was part of the reason for doing it. You know, I mean, some of the some of the songs on this album were uh, previously recorded by my band, Comes with the Fall, right. and I always felt like those particular songs would present well in this setting. And then others were written specifically for 
this it, It's funny because I remember always hearing that Paul McCartney, uh, The Long and Winding Road, um, you know, which ended up with a Phil Spector production. Yeah. Uh, all and of Sound. All of Sound. It, yeah. And that's a great song, but but he always thought it was more of a, just a piano. Right. And and in fact, there are versions of, of, of that. And, um, and so a lot of times people will use this sort of, I'm just going to take the guitar... Because this is the way I really want it to be played. Was, yeah. was that it for you? Because you said it ended up in a band version, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I love the band versions as well, but but uh, there was just something about these songs. And, and the old adage goes that if you have a strong song, then it should stand up to this kind of presentation. Yeah. You know, that you can you can strip everything away and still have something that is, is compelling, hopefully, you know? And yeah. so, yeah, it was just... I wanted to get as reductive as possible for this album, you know? What is it like in a band dynamic when you say, hey, guys, I got this idea? <laughs> uh, is it a little, is it, it, I mean, I'm sure you guys are the closest of friends, so it's probably easy in that regard. But still, what's it like when you when you have to approach your band members and say, I'm going to do something else? Oh, it's just, you know, it is what it is, you yeah. know? Like we, we just came off of a long campaign for Rain or Fog, mm-hmm. uh, that album uh, we put out. And, and uh, I mean, it's two years of touring. And and then after that, you know, we kind of go our separate ways. And whatever people want to do is what they want to do. Okay. Yeah. So. Well, you, you came into it with having your own stuff going. Mm-hmm. And so that I think that helps. And they know that you have your other things that, that keep you engaged. Right. And, and in a way, I think when we first heard your voice and heard you, you know, with Alice in Chains, it was like, ah, oh, you know, you're it's going to keep going. It makes sense. It sounds great. And, and so... Uh, it's sort of the best of both worlds for everybody because everyone, I'm sure they, I, I know for a fact they have side projects as well. It's everyone has to flex different creative muscles, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing; these things can coexist, and and you know, there doesn't have to be any either or, right? Uh, friction or problem. It's all good, and uh, until yeah. it becomes a huge success, and then you leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but no, it's like I, I like you said, I had. I had a life before, right. before Alice, and and this kind of gets me back into uh, into more of that mode of thinking, you know. Reading up on you, you have you have an interesting uh, background musically <clears throat> because you you come from a lot. I think we all, when people are asked, "What do you like? What kind of music do you like?" Most people answer the same question: "I like everything," which is not necessarily true. But they essentially say that they have a broad. Uh, you know, I like a little bit of this. I like a little bit of that. And reading up on you, uh, you really are all over the place musically, and I mean that as a compliment. Um, from hardcore punk uh, to experimental jazz to straight up rock. And what I didn't know about you, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you co-wrote "I Know" the song "I Know" with Dion Ferris. Yeah, well, I mean, because yes, that's about true. as poppy as you can get. It's a yeah. great song. I loved it. Yeah. I was playing. I was working top forty radio at the time. It was a huge hit, and I mm-hmm. love that song. I was really surprised that yeah. you were a co-writer on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. A guy named Milton Davis and I wrote that song, and uh, and we gave it to Dion, and we demoed it on a four track, and and she got signed to Columbia off that demo. Yeah, and then that was <laughs> next thing you know, it was everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, but you had that in you, even though you were really. You know, you're a, a bit of a thrasher right. and, and stuff like that, you know? Right, yeah. Can you explain that, where that comes from? It's just, like you said, l- loving all kinds of music and uh, having grown up on all kinds of music. Uh-huh. So, Is there one kind of music you love but no, a- that no, abs- besides obvious things, maybe like opera or whatever, that, that you just you just have no interest in creating yourself? 
Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, sure. There are things where I am more of an admirer from afar, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, opera would be one of those things. <laughs> yeah. Because I have to respect the technique that yeah. it would take to do that. Yep. I don't, but I, I, that's one thing I don't necessarily imagine myself going, yeah, okay, that's next. <laughs> <laughs> that's next. <laughs> but we'll have you in when you have your opera. So, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, next year you'll see me on here. <laughs> this new aria. That <laughs> your version of Pagliacci. <laughs> But you were a real, um, I was reading uh, an, an interview that you had done not too long ago uh, talking about you growing up in D.C. And uh, you were kind of that kid that went to every show you could possibly go to, sneaking in underage and stuff like that. And you had an interesting, uh, you had an interesting encounter with Jello from the Dead Kennedys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can you tell a little bit about that? Because that was kind of cool. Yeah, I was, I was, I was 15 years old and uh, the Dead Kennedys were playing in Atlanta. At six eight eight, and <laughs> it was one of these situations where the drinking age at that time was nineteen in in Georgia, and they were soon going to raise it to twenty one, and so I was this kid who loved that music, wanted to see it, and you couldn't be in the six eight eight club unless you were on the bill. That was the rule, and my band AVOC at the time did not get on that bill. So and you were I, gigging I, at fifteen in these yeah, clubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, okay. yeah. Right. You, could, so, you could you could work it, but couldn't obviously you could work it, go you could, in. You couldn't yeah. be yeah. You right. couldn't be in the audience. So and I managed to get down to the club, sneak in, and I was in the club. And I was kind of <laughs> hidden away, you know. And Steve May, the manager, found me. I was like, oh, uh, uh-uh. uh. So <laughs> walked me to the front of the of the lobby by the front door. Where there was a payphone, made me call my mother, watched while I did it, and so it was just like, okay, ma, yeah, he's making me leave, yeah, yeah. So she she just gotten home, she had to turn around, come back. On her way back, I go to the back of the club by the dumpsters and everything. Yeah. I'm kicking rocks. I'm all mad. And Jello Biafra comes out the back door and he's like, "What seems to be the problem?" And I'm like, <laughs> "I'm like, they won't let me in." Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, "He's like, well, that's like South African style apartheid." And, <laughs> and, 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 and he, he like he agreed to take responsibility for me. Aww. And so my mother, of course, this is days before cell phones and all that. She's on her way back, so we have to wait for her to get back. When she gets back, I take her around the back of this six eight eight club. I'm like. Mom, you won't believe it. Jello Biafra. This is Jello Biafra. And he said he was going to take responsibility for me. Jello, this is my mom. And, like, and <laughs> to her credit, she let it slide. No, like, that's that's cool. those, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. one of those great things. That's a good wow. mom. That's part of the reason why, <laughs> yeah. you, wear, why you are where you are today. Yeah, because yeah, you had a exactly. mom that would do that for you. Yeah. Did, did Jello ever find out about you later on, uh, you know, being a musician? Oh, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, you guys... Oh, he knew. Yeah, in those days, you knew. Everyone knew everybody. If you were part okay. of that scene, you knew everybody. Right. You knew about my bands. He, I mean, later he asked personally for my band Neon Christ to be on this one big compilation punk rock record they were putting out. Like they used to do a lot of compilation albums. Then. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he he wrote us personally, handwritten letter. You wow. know, like we, oh, that's we, great. We realized we had no Neon Christ. We must have it. So it, he was great like that. That's cool, really man. What the instrument did you learn how to play first? Guitar. Yeah. yeah. Do you play piano as well? Oh, just enough to get through a session. Like if I had to. You know, p- play a part. Like I've played parts. You, know? you look like you have uh, fingers and hands built for the piano. That you have long fingers. I, I wish I could really play piano, but I, I I came up playing guitar, so my hands probably grew into the fact that I was playing guitar. Do I any of your uh, your guitar skills translate to other uh, instruments? Yeah, I mean, I can get around on a bit of bass, and I can get you know just whatever I need to do. Like I said, I come up with a part, 
and and can virtually do it on most anything, you know. But I wouldn't I wouldn't call myself like, oh, I'm just going to pick up a saxophone and just. Do it. <laughs> I can do this. I'll, I'll incorporate it in my opera. Or, or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There'll, be a, there'll be a horn section in my aria. Yeah, all self played. Yeah. On uh, on one alone, the only song I've had a chance to hear is uh, "Till the Light Guides Me Home," uh, and you do a fair amount of finger picking on that. Is yeah. that uh, is that kind of your style, guitar wise? No, no, really horrible finger picking. The worst. It's hard to do. I'm the world's worst finger picker and okay. i don't know why i did that to myself <laughs> i really don't do it, it sounds great play. it sounds great when it like I, i'm yeah. a big fan of uh, mark knopfler and, and oh yeah, god i mean well, he's real he, yeah. he's really a finger he's <laughs> proper you know i mean there's all kinds of cats that are proper i am not yeah. i am definitely not i just happened to write that tune and i heard it that way and so i was like well you gotta kind of figure it out dude and so that's what i did wow you know? but okay. it, so- it sounds great though when it's done yeah oh, thank you yeah thank you uh, is there a chance you have your guitar here? And yeah, we, I got we a guitar. heard you were going to play songs. What? What, what would that? you? Where did that come from? Did, what, yeah. Uh, what would you like to play? I guess I'll try. I'm going to try to do this. Uh, the second single off the album is called White Hot. I'm okay. See if I can get that together. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll chat some more after we hear this. Right on. All right, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. William Duvall, 93.3 WMMR, White Hot, and the album is called One Alone. I love that sound. Did you, uh, was there a time in your career making your way up where you sat in a coffee shop or something like that, just a guitar and sang tunes and did that type of performance? Never. No, no You were no. talking about punk, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, and all that stuff. That's a, that's a different atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. I never, no, I never did it. And uh, so, yeah. People never say, hey, the coffee's really good at that punk place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Metroplex in Atlanta was known for its coffee. They, yeah, they served a Sumatra. With a, yeah, yeah, I, I will, time to time, I, I will encounter a singer, uh, guitarist uh, in a place that where nobody's really paying attention, you know, they're just kind of background. I make sure that I. And I zero in and yeah. listen. And I've seen some incredibly talented people. And I look at other people talking, shopping, going about their business. I'm like, you're missing something really great yeah. over here. You know yeah. what I mean? I always try to do that too. If I see somebody, because that's a that's a thankless gig. And right? applaud, like, applaud yeah, you know? too. Even and, if you're yeah, even totally. if you're there to get a hero yeah. or a hoagie or whatever. Totally. Dude, yeah. I, I went to this place in Media, Pennsylvania. It's not far from here. It's you know, it's called Three Twenty Market. I just went there to go get some chips and guacamole, yeah. and there was a guy there. And I'm like ordering, and I and I lost my train of thought as I was ordering because I'm like, who is this guy? Because he was playing his own stuff; he wasn't yeah. playing a cover. Right. And then, um, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna order some more, and then I'm gonna go sit over here and listen to this guy because, again, he was wallpaper right. for a lot of people, but right. for me, he was he was you know everything. Um, he had all of my attention. That's great. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I, I do that with street musicians too. I yeah. It, do you like that? Like busking? Do you ever you ever just do that? Just oh, to, no, never. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, it's yeah. it's too. Uh, I I'm not I'm not quite at that level of like. Oh yeah, you know, like, like this is barely I can barely get this together. <laughs> but, I, but I think it's a commentary on on how difficult your business is. Yeah, because there are so many great musicians out there. Yeah, uh, who are just doing it on the side and making a few extra bucks, or they just haven't had the right connections or whatever it may be. And there's no real winning formula no. on how to become a rock star, exactly. a professional musician. Say, you know what I mean? I always say that. I always say if you think what you see in movies or comedy or tea or re- it represents the best that's out there. No, no. what you're yeah. seeing is talent, certainly in right. many cases, with luck and right. timing and all of that. But right. there's a lot of people who really have tremendous talent who never get that. Oh, it's exactly. Yeah. And, and the courage to like go down into a subway station and that's just <laughs> your gig. Like it's it's unbelievable to me. So I always try to, or to just set up on a street corner outside of a department store. Right, right. Know, and I'll, just start doing your thing. <laughs> amazing. To me. Although we were in London at Leicester Square and there was a guy playing a traffic cone. <laughs> And making money. Yeah, he, was making the best, money. <laughs> he was the best traffic cone singing guy I ever heard. Maybe heard anybody better. Ever heard him. Maybe yeah. put him in your opera? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I think he has a spot. Yeah, I think he's yeah. a character. I do. Have, oh, you, uh, have you ever seen the movie Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it when it came out. Did you like it? I, I guess you know it's it's a guilty pleasure for me. We, it's, we, it's, we knew some people involved in that. Did you? Whole thing, yeah. Did uh, Zach Wild and them? He was involved. Oh, in so, yeah. There we go. Jerry wasn't involved with that one because he's done some. Uh, a, a, he's worked with um, Cameron Crowe a few times over the years. Yeah. No, he wasn't in that. 
I, I just I think of Rockstar because it's a silly, goofy movie. But he ends up in a coffee house at the end of it. He's you know, oh right, you that's know, right. And he's a lead singer who replaced another famous lead singer right. in a in a rock star kind of a band. You know, so I, I know there, see where you're going with this. <laughs> didn't know if there were any parallels. I were... see where you're going with this. <laughs> purely coincidental. Purely, purely, uh-huh. purely coincidental. And actually, yeah, I'm I'm not playing a coffee house. I'm playing a winery. Let's yeah. Yeah. Winery, yes. yeah. winery, and, and, a, and a fine place from what we hear. Everyone talks yeah. very no, favorably about it. Beautiful. I've yeah. heard it. I've heard it's brand new. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see it. I wanted to ask you about your, your your voice because I think at a certain point you play. Um, you know, you're playing your voice in essence when you the way you sing too. You're using I it, to me as yeah. a, I, I, I'm a, I don't know anything about it. I don't have a good voice, but it, you're you're it's an every bit an instrument. Yeah, and so is that something that you just. Some people just hit the ground running and know how to do it. Is it something you had to train yourself well, to do? Yeah, I kind of. It's a little both because I was. I'm a reluctant singer. Actually, I I started out just playing guitar, and that's all I ever wanted to do. I never had any aspirations of singing. And once it was it wasn't until I got into like young adulthood, like twenty twenty one, right. that it became a thing where it's like you kind of have to because you're now writing songs you can't give away to somebody else mm. to do. Like in my early punk bands. I would write the tunes, and then the front man, I would give him to, him to sing. It was kind of a like The Who or something. Right. Townsend in Canada, Daltrey or whatever. But when I got to a certain place, 21 or so, couldn't do that anymore. And, and then it was like, you know, my bass player in my band at that time said, you know, you, you should just do it. And, <laughs> and that was when I started. And, and ever since, it's been a gradual process, like a love-hate kind of you know, like, like, oh God, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and, yeah. and, and trying to figure out and trying to get better at it. And, and of course, when you have to tour all the time, you have to kind of figure out some things so you can do things under pressure. So you can come on the radio at eight in the morning, <laughs> you know and what I mean? Blow it out. Which is yeah. insanely early for rock stars. So yeah. We appreciate yeah. you being here. Oh no, it's great. I'm just saying, but that's where the, the other stuff, the thought and the, and the training and then yeah. the learning goes. Yeah. yeah no, I, I got to, you. Yeah. You have to. Uh, you you had mentioned coming off the tour, uh, Rainier Fog, uh, and and how long it was, and and when when a band is in between albums, um, how does it? Do you get like an email from Jerry that says, "Hey guys, it's Jer." <laughs> Uh, been That's exactly about what this. it is, too. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, it's, it's Jer. Just <laughs> thinking lots about of, me. Lots of emojis. Yeah. Yeah. Smiley faces. <laughs> right. I, hearts. I totes miss you guys. The, the red <laughs> hearts and the purple hearts. And, <laughs> and a video that. of him with the, like a deer a deer nose filter. Yeah. And all that. Oh, my God. How yeah. do you know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I got to imagine, it, it, ra- rather than it's Your like, amaze balls. <laughs> rather than, hey, guys, it's time to get back to work. Or is it like, uh, I've been thinking about some stuff, maybe we should all get together when we can, or how does that... I, you know, it's Who knows? all different. It's all okay. different. You know, I mean, you know, so yes, ideas start kind of circulating at a certain point, and then, uh, you know, yeah, like I'll get some instrumental demos or something like that, and and then over time, over maybe a couple of months, you start just emailing things back and forth, and then, uh, and then eventually it's sort of like, oh... Let's just book a room and see if we can, you know, get together and see what these things are really sound like when right. you play them. Because the demos nowadays are all like, you know, I'm at home or he's at home, and you kind of just get a demo together, like right. on a uh, where everything is uh, piecemeal, machine. You yeah, know yeah, what I mean? yeah. Like yep. your, your drums or the 
program drums. Yeah, you just or get the bones of what yeah. the idea of yeah. what it's about, and yeah. So and then you want to. The next stage is to see what it sounds like when you get in a room playing it or whatever. So, yeah. are you? Do you still live on the East Coast? You grew up uh, in, on the East Coast. I uh, yeah, I lived in L.A. for ten years, and okay. now nowadays I I'm I'm more in Atlanta when I'm not on the road. Okay, all right. And this tour, uh, how long is this going to last? This goes into right now. We're up into May because uh, wow, yeah, because I go, okay. I go, I go to Europe in the spring. Next spring, I okay. got more U.S. dates starting in February of uh, next year, and then go to Europe uh, in March and stay until like April thirtieth. Okay, know? that's yeah. awesome. Be busy, yeah. good run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good, really good. Well, listen, man, we appreciate your time. You were excited that you made Philadelphia stop on the yeah, way. Yeah, this uh, is you got a lot of fans here. So. Oh man, I, I I look forward to seeing Ollie. Walk ups appreciated. Come on down, you know. I'll I'll have a little uh, hat outside. Yeah. This is the first solo album from William. It is called One Alone. It is available now, so make sure you get out and get it and support this gentleman. Great to have you here, William. Thank you so much. Appreciate man. it, man. William yeah. Duvall, guys. Yeah. What's new? Glad you asked. The Black Keys. Greta Van Fleet. Five Finger Death Punch. New music. More of everything that rocks. On 93.3 WMMR. Our next guest is uh, world-renowned, and uh, he's a worldly-known good guy, as he we is say around here <laughs> yes. on, the, on the Preston and Steve <laughs> show. But uh, we've had him on the program before, one of the compelling conversations, and uh, just so easy to talk to about complex issues, simple issues, uh, makes it really, really easy. Pop culture. Pop yeah. culture, yeah. all of that stuff. So uh, we're happy to have him on. He's promoting this really cool book. I'm so glad he's published this book. And again, it's not dismissive to say it. It's a really kick-ass Bathroom reading book. I agree with it's you, really sir. Good. And we need our bathroom books. We do. Letters from an astrophysicist is the title. Please welcome Neil deGrasse Tyson yeah. to the program. Hey. Good morning, Neil. Thank you, Thank you very much. I, is it a high compliment to be a bathroom book? I, I have to say no. yes. I, I think there's a specific kind of book. I hope you take it as a compliment because it was <laughs> intended as such. <laughs> okay. But those ones where you can just sort of, you know, just it, you can jump in at any point and yes, and and enjoy it, and it's, it's a an absolutely enjoyable book. I read the the Da Vinci Code exclusively <laughs> in the bathroom. There you go, and that and was a huge bestseller. That's a pretty good book. So yeah. you know, uh, no, Neil, I'm, okay, I'm I'm really happy that you wrote this book. It is um, it's very consumable in that you know in that yeah. bathroom terminology because you can spend a little bit of time with it and you're not lost. Uh, and and stay with the concepts, and you do tackle a lot of different concept, concepts in this, from the very deep to the very uh, fun. And um, this has been in the works. Have, were, had you saved all these letters with this in, uh, intention over the years? Yeah, that's a great question. So there was a period of time where my email was publicly available. You had to, you know, a few clicks down into the website, but you could find it, and people would write letters. And about half the letters were sort of how far away is the sun, or you know, sort of simple science questions, and I have a whole staff that can field those. So the, there was a different set of letters where I found where I had said something or they, I gave a talk or people read something I wrote where they were moved by it or they had some existential angst triggered by it, and then they write to me with this line of questioning. And, and even not, even not all of those are in the book. The ones where I found where I had to do a little bit of extra homework to make sure my answer was thorough 
or if, if, if there was an extra higher level of sort of literary attention I gave to my sentences or the composition, I said, you know, I might want to reuse this one day for in a volume. So I put it aside in a folder. Okay. And so over the years, about 500 of those, I said, it's time to do something with this. And we called even from those 500. This book has 101 of the most, um, the, the most, uh, how should I put it? The, the letters that really issue forth from people's soul of curiosity and angst. <laughs> no, that, that, I completely understand that because it it, it, it is. Um, I mean, I mean, in, in, in a way, it is a uh, it's a it's a snapshot of different you know aspects of 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 your life, and we're all co- complex beings. And and something that really jumped out at me was your your letter. That you wrote your observations right after nine eleven because I think we were just blocks away from everything that went down and it, it, it you know and, and it, it actually took me viscerally back to that point in time and and um, you know you who who deal with the the expanse of the universe brought down to this couple of block piece of real estate it was just an interesting thing to see and it, it reconnected me back to that time so it, it's yeah. and and that obviously that's what you were looking for when you put the book together. Yeah, that's right. And so that, so it's called Letters from an Astrophysicist. About 10% of the letters are just my open letters. One of them is to NASA. Uh, that there's the September 11th letter. There's a, a letter to my parents in celebration of their 30th wedding anniversary, many moons ago, of course. But the the you add those to other people's letters in presented in the, the exchange where – prisoner who is in prison for seven years and his kids are teenagers so he's going to miss their teenage growth and yeah. he's asking to, and he knows that they're good in school and likes science and he asks me is there any advice i can give him uh, uh websites or resources that he can share with his kids that way his kids will be reminded that he still loves them and it's like oh my gosh then there's another one from a middle schooler where he's uh he's he's being bullied in school people calling him a nerd and geek he wants to be an astronaut and a and a and an aerospace engineer he's in middle school right and he's writing to me to if i can advise him on extra things he could do for his science fair project because get this if he does well on the science fair project maybe his fellow students will stop making fun of him. Uh, oh, it's like, oh my gosh, wait, 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 but wait. And it said, and by the way, my, he says, as he speaks, as in his letter, he says, and I have mental seizures every now and then, and I had one last summer at space camp, and the kids really made fun of me then more than ever. And, and so I was like, oh gosh. And so, so it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I am honored I, it's it's a it's a huge responsibility to for pe- for me to receive letters like this from people who, who who see me as someone who I think who might bring some cosmic perspective to illuminate their their dilemma or whatever decision path they might make or whatever boost they might need. Um, and so there's another woman who's raising a ten year old child who's on the autism spectrum and she's Jewish taking her son to Hebrew school, and he came back one day and said, I don't believe in God and Bible's all fairy tales. And why? And, and she, she, she asked, where did you get these ideas? And he said, Cosmos. Like, <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, do I even keep reading the letter? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, but I, I just, I, I won't tell you what my reply was, but I can tell you that in her reply to me, 
invited me to his bar mitzvah. Wow. <laughs> so all went well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if it's interesting that you mentioned people want your 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 cosmic experience, your your uh, your advice, and as as Steve had said, you know, this expanse that you deal with as a profession. And I'm only a couple of chapters in, but but I've also watched many videos and and seen you speak many times. Uh, you're uh, while this great beyond this this huge infinity that goes on forever forever around us. The advice you almost always give comes back to the individual and the person and who they are. And I don't know why I'm surprised by that. Um, I, I, I'm, I, Otherwise, it's not useful. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you are yourself. No one else is you but you. So advice has to be specific to you. Uh, well, it, it doesn't have to be, but I think it's most potent you, if it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so uh, uh, there's another example of someone. There's actually a relative of mine who wrote to me who, when her father died, she, she had a two-way conversation with him while he was on the slab in the funeral home and then asked me, what do I think happened? Is that she hallucinated? Could, could it have been real? And there's a, I give a full account. And what I tell her is, okay, next time this happens, don't ask, oh, how, how are you? Are you good? Are you in a better place? No. Well, do that, but, if, but don't stop there. Say things like, where exactly are you? Are you wearing clothes? Do you eat? You know, get in, get actionable information out of that conversation. The next time that happens, if we want to try to ask, is this a genuine encounter you're having with the other with the great beyond? And so, I, what I try to do is empower people to to be to be better investigators of phenomena that happen around them. And that's a whole other set of those letters, as well as an entire chat. The only couple of chapters in. Yeah, just a couple of chapters, of, yeah. There's an entire chapter on hate mail. Okay. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I got a really pissed off letter from a third grader, third or fourth grader, <laughs> back when Pluto got demoted. Oh, this, oh it, yeah. it's <laughs> hilarious. What, what, what does he refer to you as? A, a scient, uh, um, he, he, mis, he misstates it. Uh, he doesn't... He, oh, 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 no, no, there's another letter of someone who was apologizing. There's a 22-year-old man, a uh, young man, who wrote me a letter saying, Dear Dr. Tyson, I want to apologize I might have hurt your feelings. Twelve years ago, I wrote a letter when I was ten, and I was angry with you for demoting Pluto, and I called you a poo poo head. That's But this other letter, this is fourth grader, angry, it's handwritten, scrawled with crooked lines and everything, and everything's misspelled. And at the end, it says, "Please write back soon." But not in cursive because I can't read cursive. <laughs> oh my gosh! The cutest thing That's ever. Great. Do you know what? So, so I heard a while ago, like a, a, you know, uh, if you go to a therapist, go to a therapist who goes to a therapist, and 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 I and I, and I judge, you know, the way you respond and the way that you handle when you've, I, I've seen you and, and obviously follow you on on uh, through social media and you know your, your various television appearances and Cosmos and all the, the shows and everything. And when you have been wrong or when you have made a misstep, the way you respond to it informs me about you, you know, and, and, and who you are. So when you're disseminating, you, cause sometimes when so many people are turning to you for this kind of advice, it can almost, I, I assume it can sort of impact you in a way like where you're, you're questioning yourself, you know, and so I, I assume you, oh, you have to do a, a check on yourself now and then, correct? That's a great question. And let me just, if I could take a minute to tell a story here. So, I, you know, I don't think much about religion. It's not, not been a big part of my life, yeah. but I know it's a big part of other people's lives, right? And so in a country where that 
freedom is protected constitutionally. Yeah. And I, I greatly value that fact. And it was a source of much of our immigrants es- escaping whatever religious prosecution right. in their de- wherever they came from. So I'm here studying the universe, and I find that almost every time somebody asks a question about science and God or science and religion. But they don't usually ask that first, but like save it for the end. And initially I said, well, we don't think much about it. We just do science. Then I thought I'm capable of a more nuanced deeper answer than that if I do some homework. So I started buying up various Bibles and the King James and the different translations and then the Torah and and the Quran and the, and you know the all the tracks of the spin-off uh, Protestant religion, so the Christian Science one. Right. Uh, the the what's the one that was controversial? Then they had the HBO special on it. Oh, Scientology. Uh, Scientology. So I read up on all of it and Mormonism, and then I started learning. This is how this, and this is why. This is their foundations. So now, if I get a question, I can speak at least from a, a mildly informed platform mm. regarding their question. Okay. And in there are questions from Christians who want to reconcile uh, uh, science and, and, and God. There's a question from uh, uh, a Buddhist, a Muslim, and a and Jewish woman who uh, with the 10-year-old kid. Yeah, so, yeah. So I feel comfortable now engaging in those ways. And those are in the book. And you see less of that in my public persona because these are one-on-one individual exchanges. Uh, so I would like some advice on, on something that, that perplexes me. And you write about it in the book, Dr. Tyson. But uh, I encountered this firsthand for the first time in a, in a long time on Friday night. Um, I, uh, somebody came up to me, and she, she was a flat earther. And she was very nice and really polite. Um, but I found myself being incredibly uh, dismissive. And I didn't want to engage at all because I, I find that to be personally i find it to be ridiculous and, and i'm i'm looking for advice on how to engage with somebody like that who believes in a wholly different set of values than i do um and i know how you feel about it i know how you, you talked about it with with bob the rapper um but I'm yeah. looking, how should i address something like that that's a great question and generally publicly i don't engage people who just way off to the side you, you, don't, you, you generally you don't see me, like I said, in such debates. I made the exception in this book to include my reply to the rapper B.O.B. Um, because it, I did it live on, on the Larry Wilmore show on Comedy Central. Yeah. And it was in a mic drop kind of moment. Um, and that was a, more aggressive than I typically am in conversations with people who feel things deeply. All I can say is, so, so I've said two things. The rise of flat earthers in our culture, I think, is evidence of two of two things. One, it's a reminder that we live in a country that protects free speech. A. B, it's a reminder that we have a failed educational system. <laughs> because these are people who don't know what evidence is or how and why evidence works to have you to convince you of what is true and what is not true. And the whole point of the enterprise of science is to, to is first to protect to to insulate you from thinking that something is true that is not, or that something's not true that is, right? This is our. This is the great. Uh, the, these are the great weaknesses we have in our in our sensory system, and so the methods and tools of science inoculate you against those errors. So now, someone is a flat earth. What I would say is, what would it take to convince you that Earth is round? Wow. And generally, they don't have an answer for that. Mm. It's, it's, and because we have all is it a picture from space? And, and, and I joke about it. I say all the flat earthers, it's really a conspiracy among them to be the first to be 
launched into the orbital. <laughs> I'm thinking that's the only way to convince is to get the head honcho of the Flat Earthers, and he goes up and comes back and says, "Um, it's round." You know, yeah, you know. So I think it's a ploy just to get so they all get to do that. But yeah, so Flat Earth is addressed in there. Someone asked about Bigfoot. And a very simple question, could there be a large hairy ape wandering the Pacific Northwest? <laughs> and I gave, I thought, was a very sensible answer. I said, you know, the rate at which we've been discovering large mammals as new species has dropped to near zero. And the only ones we've found lately have been like fishes in the bottom of very deep gorges of the ocean. Because we don't live on the bottom of the ocean. So you can expect larger animals to to go undiscovered. Other things we're discovering are like new kinds of bacteria or new insect, but large hairy ape, if it's an ape, that means it's a mammal, and that would mean there's got to be at least two of opposite sex if they're going to make more of them. Mm -hmm. And so you should be looking for two of them. And plus, it's not just the animal you're looking for. Presumably, they would leave poop behind Mm -hmm. or some some kind of evidence. And so when I said this, the, the guy wrote back and said, you know, as a scientist, I thought you'd be more open-minded. <laughs> and here's the thing. It's possible to be so open-minded that your brain spill out. <laughs> well, I, I think what happens is a lot of times with these people, and, and you know, and, and, and to, to like Nick's point, is I think it's it's more about extending, as you're saying, well, let's have a, let's have a conversation, even if it's absurd or, or you know, and... and, and to try to extend, uh, you know, um, a, a commonality or something that can sort of convince them. But there are some people who just really enjoy that. And if that's their thing and that gets them that gets them through life and they're in general pleasant people otherwise and they simply believe in Blake, Bigfoot and they, they do charitable work, okay, believe in Bigfoot. Uh, I, what, I, what I told the guy was, you should, all this effort you're spending trying to convince people in the absence of evidence, of strong evidence... Instead, you should be using that energy to find Bigfoot. Exactly. So that you don't, you don't. It's, it's not a matter of fuzzy images <laughs> or anything. And by the way, we are now uploading. Is it a billion photographs a day hmm. to the internet? Everybody is a recording device, including video. Where are all the images of people getting abducted onto flying saucers that were so rampant <laughs> before the age of everybody having a camera? Right. It's hard to. It's hard. I was talking to my kids, and I, I reminiscing about something early in my life. He said, "Do you have photos of that?" And I said, "No, I don't. Everyone didn't have cameras all the time. <laughs> yeah. Every moment of everybody's lives was not documented. So we now have photos of very rare things, like buses tumbling in in tornadoes. Right? Yeah. I knew it happened because the bus was wrapped around the tree after the fact. But now you can see that happening. Yeah. So because everybody has a video camera in the day, you wouldn't say, "Oh, the bus is tumbling. Let me run home and get my video." You would just run home and stay. So I'm just saying that with a billion images a day, the it seems to me you could have streamed your video of your encounter with the alien and not use the excuse that the alien wiped the disc clean. Right. Right? I, so I'm thinking, you know, it's, these haven't been real. Yes, you don't know what you're looking at in the sky, so it's a UFO. That's what the U stands for. We need to remind ourselves unidentified. Correct. And once you say you can't identify it, you can't in your next sentence say, I don't know what it is, therefore it's aliens visiting from outer space. This is not, you can one does not, a conclusion from the other. Right. Yeah. It just classifies it as unidentified. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I have no problem saying there's lights in the sky, you don't know what it is. I don't have any problem with that. 
Go investigate it. Okay. Drag an alien into the square. You know what? I worry. I worry that. I've said this before. I worry that the aliens have actually visited us, but they happened to land during Comic Con and nobody knows. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they just thought it was another oh a, a satellite. Basically. I love that. Uh, that would be bad luck. Yeah. If you're just tuning in, it's Neil deGrasse Tyson, and uh, the book he's promoting is called Letters from Astrophysicists. There was a discovery that was announced on Monday. I'm sure you're aware of it, but uh, 20 new moons have been found around Saturn. Uh, this yeah. was through uh, Scott Shepard of the Carnegie Institution for Science. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it always amazes me, these things that we consider to be right around the corner, uh, you know, uh, on uh, if you're talking about universe size, uh, that, that there, we're still discovering all these things uh, to this day and continue to, and that's the nature of science. I, have, I do have a question. Before your time is through, what... What are a couple of the of the groundbreaking things? What what are the holy grail discoveries you would like to see take place before you leave this earth? You mean before I die? Before yeah. you die, <laughs> sir. Because uh, I'd like to be buried so that I actually don't leave the earth. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> In that way, I, uh, the flora and fauna can dine upon my rotting carcass. There you the go. Way I, the way I have gained nourishment from flora and fauna throughout my nice, life. Nice, nice. So no, I would not leave the earth. I'm still here. So uh, I would say, let me give you kind of a, a cop-out answer to that. Sure. Um, all right, you ready? Yeah. So I, the question that I want answered is the question we don't yet know to ask oh. because it would only arise once we've answered the questions we've currently posed. Okay. I, that's what I think about. I lay awake at night wondering, because I, as I've said, the, as the area, think of a circle growing, as the area of your knowledge grows, so too does the perimeter of your ignorance. And so, because that's the perimeter of the circle reaching out into the unknown, but the perimeter gets larger. So I wonder what questions might I have that I have no concept of because we're not there yet. Wow, and so that's a it's a weird sort of unanswerable question. Right? Okay, we're not there yet. We're yeah. not there yet. Uh, we have to build another vista out into the unknown, and then you can see beyond that. It's like seeing beyond your current horizon. That's what intrigue, intrigues me most. Now, let me give you the standard answer to that. Um, I I want to know about dark matter and dark energy, um, two great mysteries of the universe that's driving ninety five, ninety six percent of all that's going on in the universe is unknown to us. So dark dark matter is, is basically what the universe is comprised of. Well, so dark matter is responsible for like 85% of all the gravity of the universe. So it's most of what's driving phenomenon in the universe, and we don't know anything about it. That's and amazing. We just, we just know that it's there. Yeah. And then, excuse me, and then there's dark energy, which is this mysterious pressure in the vacuum of space forcing the universe to accelerate against the wishes of gravity. We don't know what what's causing that either. You add those two together, it's 96% of what is driving this universe. And everything you know and love, the laws of physics and chemistry and biology and life, and happens in the 4% of what we know. Now, we, we, we feel really good about that 4%, but I, I, so I want, I want to know what's in the rest of that 96%, because once you find out, it may apply to other things. Give us solutions to things we didn't even that were dangling there. You say, oh, it solves that problem too. Yeah, that happens all the time in science. Okay. I also, want to know what's around before the beginning of the universe, before the Big Bang. Yeah. Totally want to happen there. Also, I want to know how we went from organic molecules to self-replicating life. These are all frontiers 
in physics, astrophysics, and biology. One thing that I know is that uh, I think you can tell a lot about a person by uh, who they follow on Twitter. You only follow 39 people, and one of them <laughs> is Pee Wee Herman. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm curious because this is now the second Pee Wee Herman reference we've had on the show this week. Why and what is your love of Pee Wee? Okay, so I once said, uh, I took one day to post, was it 15, 20 tweets, uh, and the hashtag was, Things I do that are below my, um, uh, that betray my maturity level or something. <laughs> All or right. Something that shows that I'm really not a mature adult. And in that list, it was, I'm in an, an important board meeting in one of these rarefied rooms, right? And because I'm on, serve on a few mostly not-for-profit boards. And the, the chairs are always swivelly. So I sit out and I swivel in the chair. <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. You know, you're supposed to sit there and not pretend like it's fun. In the, but I, I'm sorry, I do it. When I'm, I'm sipping a milkshake, I will always make that noise at the end of the milkshake because I want every last bit. Mm-hmm. It's a noisy thing with the straw and the bottom of the milkshake. Sure. I will do that. Uh, if there's a puddle in front of me, I will jump into the puddle. I will fist bump. Uh, toddlers in strollers as they go by me. I, they, they always do it. They know exactly what that is. That's I ride shopping thing. carts when I'm going out to my car <laughs> exactly, the grocery store. Exactly. You, you step on the thing and see how far you can glide. Totally, I'm yeah. Heavy. I'm a little heavy now, so it's tends to get to the grocery store. It's an inertia. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this, uh, I will look up and try to uh, uh, bite the uh, snowflakes as they fall. So these are things that we've forgotten how to do as adults that I still do because I still feel very strong kid in me. And that is exactly Pee Wee Herman. I love it. I love it. Pee Wee is a grown man mm-hmm. that has trapped a kid inside his body. Mm. Yeah. And and uh, I, I just saw he posted a little video of, of uh, ghosts from some old, tiny, black-and-white uh, cartoon. You're dosed. Ghost dancing. Like okay. Oh, I've seen that. It's great. It's a classic. Cla- classic <laughs> footage. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, beautiful. Pee Wee Herman is one of the 39, and NASA is in there and a few other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> hey, um, I don't know if you followed Terrence Howard or not, but uh, I wanted to ask you, going back to your uh, uh, answer about things that you would like to know before you die. Um, so Terrence Howard, a couple of weeks ago, before the Emmys, claimed that he had answers to the universe that uh, that he was going to unveil for us mathematical equations and stuff uh, about what's between waveforms and, and everything. Did you hear anything about that? And... Uh, well, yes. <laughs> okay. Oh. Actually, he actually corresponded with me, asking uh, me questions about this. All, all right. So are you here to say that Terrence Howard is the new face of astrophysicists? <laughs> I'm here to say, and I told him flat out, I said, Terrence, just because you learned multiplication makes things bigger because <laughs> he has a he's worried that one times one should not equal one okay that it should equal two right and i said no one plus one yes two <laughs> so so and so i said just because you learned it that way doesn't mean that's how it is or should be Multiplication can actually make numbers smaller you could play take 10 and multiply it by a half you get five, mm-hmm. right? So I just explained this, and so therefore his urge to make multiplication of all kinds make things bigger. He felt he was onto something there, and I said, I can't embrace this. <laughs> but out at the end of all of his work, he produces art. There's some art. Um, uh, there's artwork that is produced, and I said the art is brilliant. And I don't care how you got to that art; 
if it's through this, you know, these other means. This derangement. <laughs> yeah. So th- listen, whatever whatever incites art is is fine. I, I, I'm a big fan of art and whatever inspires it. So I was there with. So I said, fine, go for it. But uh, and so he's. I guess I don't know if he's put it out yet or not. But it's based on the premise that one times one equals two. That's how we started it. Uh, okay. Well, no, let me, no, let, let he me... didn't release it because he said he was going to at the at the uh, Emmys. He was going to release it the next day, and I haven't seen anything since. Mm-hmm. No, and like Terrence Howard. People don't know he's one of the stars in um, Empire. Empire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and he was also some other movie Iron Man as well. He was the original. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you. Speaking of artwork, you had you you have taken issue with the movie poster for Frozen. Would you explain uh, what's going on there? <laughs> what? Well, okay, so my you know my movie tweets are so misunderstood. I, <laughs> no, I, I I love I, I love your movie tweets, and I and I I love <laughs> I love your your. Your your precision. I love that you forced them to rework the sky in Titanic. I did do that. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. so explain. Yes. They did that. And they did it with an homage to you. So explain Frozen because I think it's hilarious. Wait, I just got just to, just to set the record straight. I would not normally complain unless the. Absolutely, <laughs> you would laugh, and I'm just I'm just so misunderstood. I, I a, a year ago I can't. I'm not doing this anymore. And then people said, "No, you got to do it. You got to do this." So I took a poll, and I said. Who wants me to do this? And who says I annoy them? And how many people don't care? Eighty-five percent. I forgot the exact number. Eighty-five percent said keep doing it. Ten percent right. said you annoy me. Five percent said I don't care. So I said I'm back in the business. Okay. Well, lest lest we were, lest we forget that you you complimented the first Frozen for and I so yeah go ahead. So the, the movie poster for the second Frozen showed what to me looked like an ice crystal. It had all the trappings of an ice crystal, except it didn't have six points to it. Everybody knows when water freezes into a crystal, the snowflakes have six spindles. This had four spindles, and that's the only thing on the poster. So, so now, remind you, we're talking about a movie that has talking snowmen. Right. So, so, You're not that upset be, about it? I, I have to be. you got to tiptoe here so i said i said in your original uh, frozen in frozen one you correctly re- re- represented snowflakes with six spindles and i showed that poster so i said so either frozen 2 takes place in a different universe with different laws of physics or somebody messed up the poster. (laughs) And and people started saying back to me, but Neil, you've already accepted talking, um, uh, 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 talking snowman, but notice how I my you know, my tweets are very carefully. Yes. I said, you did it right. The first time there's no excuse the second time. Uh, right, and that was my that was my only point. Well, okay. and it's, right. and you also pointed out that there 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 are guys who are pulling ice blocks out of water, and you were saying that they were floating at the at the proper height. So you're, you're giving oh, them right. props. Yep. The brilliant opening scene with the ice harvesters where they cut the ice off the lake and the big chunks of ice, and they load it onto the van, <laughs> and there's Aurora Borealis in the background, and they got a fun working song that they're that they're working to, and the ice is floating 10% out of the water, as any good ice, you know, red-blooded ice cube should be doing. <laughs> I love it. I love, yeah, I love it. The that, it was accurate. Yeah. Uh, Neil, you know, before we wrap, I do want to, there was, a, I want to reference uh, one of the letters, and by the way, Neil's uh, book is called Letters from an Astrophysicist. It's uh, really good. Somebody writes in and asks about, uh, 
um, IQ test. And uh, you, you had a very interesting answer about uh, people who scored. There was a study that was done of, of kids at, uh, from a particular school that was, had several people that were um, all high IQs in the hundred. You know, I don't even know what high IQ, one hundred and fifty, somewhere in that range above that. And you had pointed out you've never had your IQ tested, That's uh, correct. and that you yourself were kind of a mid-level student, I think, in high school. No, well, so the problem is that sentence is a little misleading. Okay. My grades were mid-level. Okay. But I was anything but a mid-level student in the sense that I was in the astronomy club. I had a dark room at home where I took photographs. I did research on eclipses. I I went to Stonehenge in England on a scholarship to study uh, astronomical alignments. And all of that took place outside of the classroom. Mm. So you can say I'm I'm an average student because my grades were average, but that doesn't capture the rest of what I was doing in my life. Mm-hmm. So the problem is we cue our assessments of people, of students, based on, on grades. Mm-hmm. And people can be so much more complex than that. That's right. People who, who have singing talents and musical talents and who have very strong personalities that get people to like them. They be, might become politicians or all these things that don't are not encoded in the GPA. And, in fact, they're also not encoded in an IQ test. Plus, because the IQ test has the word I in it, the letter I, you're thinking that that is all the intelligence that could possibly be measured within you. And it, the IQ test, I think, is misnamed. It should just be called a test. Yeah. It's a test for some stuff about you and how did you do, all right? And, oh, you scored high, you scored low. Oh, that's interesting. If you're now going to say that if you scored high in that test, you're going to win a Nobel Prize or you're going to be transformed the world. Well, plenty of people have won Nobel Prizes or have transformed the world in a thousand ways that did not score high or were not exceptional students. So the, the educational system, I think, needs to be broad enough. I have nothing against tests. It's the emphasis we all place on tests. By the way, I don't know how, how old any of y'all are, but I bet if anyone asks you, when was the last time someone wanted to know your GPA? You can't even remember, right? Yeah. Yeah. You guys are successful uh, radio announcers and respected by a, a, an entire community, and somehow we're going to say, oh, but you didn't get a high grade on a thing? Why? I, I, I have to tell you this. This is the God's honest truth, and I've said this many times on the show. I, I, have, n- I have never once been asked about any education, whether, I, I kid you not, whether, if I've had an elementary school education, I don't want to diminish or diminish the, the importance of an education. However, you're, you're, you're exactly right in, in that uh, there have been tests that say there are some people who are just good ta- test takers and, and that, and that it, it, it doesn't always indicate you know the ability, as you said, to to change the world in many different ways. I think if you right. if you if you can incite and inspire and, and find out for kids or in school or in college or whatever, what excites you, what motivates you mm-hmm. to move forward? That's the finger, that is exactly it. So it's because what you want to do is create a lifelong learner upon graduating from school. But who do you have now? You have people saying school's out and they throw their, their paper in the air as though they're delighted that they don't have to learn again. There's even one of the famous rock songs. Who, who's it by? School is out. Yeah, Alice Cooper. Yeah. And Alice Cooper, right? Yeah. That's even, a, it's even an anthem of an heiress. That tells you, I'm not complaining about the kids who feel that way. I'm complaining about the system that allows that to even be a state of mind yeah. that that they're not allowed it, but 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 some by its failings 
en- enable that to be a state of mind. Mm-hmm. So, so there is no teacher in my entire life who ever would have said in the moment, he'll go far. Watch him. And meanwhile, I know what I'm into. I know what I'm about. It's not like I'm a late boomer. It's, I knew I wanted to do astrophysics from age nine. All right. So don't tell me, oh, I just oh, I got edge grades and only later on became something. I knew that I had interest and I would be a lifelong learner. I'm still a lifelong learner. Uh, and it, I, I, I try to make it not a day go by where I try to, where I learn something. Yeah. The most frustrating thing, and it's so sad, but sometimes you, we'll, we'll get into in, in, in here. And they know what they're going for. It's very inspiring. But you'll, you'll talk to some some kids or nieces or nephews or whatever. And I don't know. I don't know what I'm, I'm interested in. And it's, it's like, you know, there's there's been I don't think there has been any encouragement, you know, to 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 go for it. You, do you right. like that? Are you, are you excited about that? Pursue it. Mm-hmm. And you, you don't get that enough. So I, I agree a thousand percent. Yeah, I found it. Encouraging. And, and there are letters. There are letters in the book that actually are uh, people are writing from all different ages and all different chapters in their life where they need to make a decision about what they will do next yeah. and a lot of it is exposure you know if you don't know what you can be when you grow up you don't you're not going to make as informed a decision as you can so i'd like to think that this book is a um it's 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 a it's a display of all the ways people have thought about the challenges of their lives and the ways in which a little bit of cosmic perspective can illuminate it. There's something in there for everybody. I, I, it's, I agree. it's a really, it's, as they yeah. say, an easy read with yep. a lot to offer. Yep. And uh, park it in the bathroom. Spend yeah. some time. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, but that's where I do my real reading. Thank you for that very high compliment. <laughs> we, we do. Hey, listen, we love having you on, Neil. It's, uh, it's such a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, take care, and hopefully we'll see you soon, okay? Always fun. Thanks. All right, thank okay, you. Bye. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. From an astrophysicist, that man is awesome. Yeah. I love speaking to him, and the book is really great. And it is short. You can literally sit down and read for a minute and then come back to it later if that's all the time you have. I love stuff like that. I do, too. Yeah. Get social with Preston and Steve and WMMR. Facebook, Twitter, you know, the usual places. Hi, I'm Steven Singer. Yep, that's me, the I Hate Steven Singer guy. People ask me all the time, what does this mean, I Hate Steven Singer? Well, maybe this is the reason. At my store, we don't play pricing games. We wouldn't treat our friends like that. We only have one price. One place, one price. Come to my store and feel the difference. You'll have fun buying a diamond for somebody you love. Steven Singer Jewelers. One place, one price. 888-I-HATE-STEVEN-SINGER. Online, I Hate stevensinger.com and our flagship store at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Now, WMMR presents Preston and Steve's Bizarre Final. Let over this, a wild turkey went on a path of destruction as it smashed through windows at an office building in uh, a place called Maynard. Maynard! Yes, police say officers responded to the Stratus offices Wednesday morning for a report of a wild turkey that had smashed through a fifth-floor window. Wait a second, I know that bird. It's a wild turkey. <laughs> That's pretty damn high up for a, a wild turkey to get into. Uh, the absolutely, fifth floor. yeah. That probably took the elevator. Uh, by the time officers had arrived, police said that uh, the turkey had exited the building by smashing through a second window on the other side of the building. It, That's him, the one getting into the cab. It did not survive. 
Uh, Nan Sweeney described the whole scene as chaotic. She said it was just chaos in here. It was it crazy. Was the craziest turkey came in and just went crazy. Uh, there was glass. Every- they call me Nan. Everywhere. The window was broken and people were just in shock. Uh, it's usually not a uh, kind of a turkey activity, right? No. Sweeney saw the aftermath, but Lori Hadley was just a few desks away when she saw something out of the corner of her eye. She said, seconds later, I heard this bang. Just bang, which is four windows down. Glass shattering on everything. I screamed and said, what is going on? Tar Nation. <laughs> it was just before 8 a.m. when Hadley realized the turkey had come through the fifth floor winning. She said, then it, windows. She said, then it was flying and... Kind of flew over us, went over our offices, knocked some things down in our office. Man, it's a goddamn turkey. Hadley estimated the bird weighed around 25 pounds and said it ran down the hall past the copy machine, knocking over a plant as it tried to get out. Not my fur. Yes, so there were feathers everywhere. There was glass everywhere. It was just a mess, she said. And it forced itself up. Uh, police and maintenance workers tried to capture the frightened turkey to safely remove the bird, but it was too late. Bird flew up again and over uh, all the cubicles and went out and uh, died on, and when it went through the second window. So how chaotic how, day. How high can they fly? Uh, uh, you know, They can fly fairly high, but not for a long amount of time. Right. So I, I have read about what turkeys can do. They just can't stay loft for a very long time. But they can get up, you know, I don't know, maybe... I don't know if they can get up like 100 feet or something right. like that. Yeah. I just I ordered a leather-bound book called What Turkeys Can Do. Okay. It's supposed to come next week. When that gets here, yeah. br- please bring me up. It wasn't prime? Flying <laughs> no, prime. no, unfortunately. <laughs> a Florida man was arrested on Sunday after causing a disturbance at an olive garden in Naples, uh, during which cops found the suspect sitting outside the restaurant, shirtless, shoveling spaghetti into his mouth using his hands. <laughs> Florida man. Florida man. It's Olive Garden, man. Prior to the arrest, the man had allegedly been harassing patrons both inside and out in front of the restaurant, asking people for money and shouting profanities. Police had also received a report that the man, identified as 32-year-old Ben Paget, entered the restaurant and threatened to, quote, kick the ass of an employee while also talking about the employee's genitals. You got a small wiener, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> That's the reason? Yeah. Uh, and Olive Garden... Now, excuse me, I'm going to go shovel spaghetti <laughs> in my mouth. An Olive Garden employee then stated that after Paget went outside and sat down on the bench and began eating food with his hands... It's like taking a vacation to Italy. He locked the front door of the business to prevent Paget from coming back inside. Before placing him in handcuffs, police did assist the 32-year-old with wiping food off his face... Uh, the report added that the man was intoxicated and muttering obscenities the whole time. I mean, he's not a total slob. He did take his shirt off, so he didn't get it. Yeah, That's true. He got some sauce on it. The man was... <laughs> I had an interview after this for brain surgery. <laughs> <laughs> the man was placed under arrest and later charged with a disorderly intoxication. Hmm. Investigators are trying to figure out how a 45-year-old man in a mobility scooter fell three fours, floors down an elevator shaft in downtown Toronto on Thursday. He lived, by the way. Oh, my God. Emergency officials were called to an apartment building after 10.30 a.m. and they found a man lying at the bottom of the elevator shaft. Scraps of the shattered scooter were strewn all over his body. Well, that didn't go well. The man <laughs> fell, from the, <laughs> fell from the third floor to the basement, a drop of about I 15. I thought I could make it. <laughs> I uh, thought I could clear that opening, but I couldn't. 
<laughs> you fell about 50 feet down there. Are you okay down there? No, I am not. <laughs> I'm going to need some sort of mobility. Well, I got one. I, I ruined it. I need another one. <laughs> Uh, this one. Residents Kristen Miller and her daughter Hallie. Anywhere, so you just do what you need to do. On the, we're on the fifth floor of the building when they heard shouting. Uh, she said, "All I went in the hallway and I could hear yelling and screaming." I think I can do this. Uh, the two, listen to what they did though. They blocked both elevators so that the uh, the elevator cars wouldn't crush the guy at the bottom yeah, of the shaft. I appreciate that. <laughs> I would really make a bad day worse. She said it was crushed by an elevator on top of falling five flights on my mobility. Uh, she said it was really hard because my daughter and I are holding the elevator doors open, uh, so the alarms are going off. He's screaming. His girlfriend is screaming. Uh, the man suffered a compound fracture of one of his legs and was rushed to the hospital. He was conscious the entire time. I'll never walk again, but I couldn't walk to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Toronto Community Housing Corporation blamed the incident on vandalism that happened on the same day. So mm. they, they haven't uh, exactly explained what that means, but that's pretty messed up. Oh, man. All right, one more story, and then we yeah, got to wrap it up. One. I have other great stories. Short one. I may not have a short one. Uh, okay, here you go. Tell half of one. A Clarksville, Tennessee man is charged with stalking after authorities say he stalked a former classmate and made threats against her and her family. The victim filed a report stating that Samuel Ham had showed up at her job. She said she knew Ham from high school. She's 46, by the way. Sam is that Ham. Holiday Ham? So, yeah. <laughs> the next day, she said Ham showed up at her sister's house and yelled that the woman, quote, has his powers and had cursed him for the past two years. And at one thirty in the morning... She said Ham climbed on a fence and stood in her backyard with a stick. Her husband had followed Ham. I got a stick out here! She didn't know how he found her address, but said that she was in fear of her life because Ham stated that he would, quote, eat her and her family. Mm. So I can, He's got to be hungry. That's a, that's a lot of eating. can understand why she might be a little concerned. And there you go. That's what I have. She took his powers, Preston. MMR's day off on the slopes at Jack Frost Mountain, Friday, January 10th. Celebrate winter with the best lift ticket deal out there, along with a Pierre Robert live broadcast and a legendary happy hour with Jackson, live from E2000 Lounge. Listen up. There's still time to save money on your lift tickets. Ski the day with us for $20 through our pre-sale. Available while supplies last or until noon on January 8th. WMMR.com has all the details. MMR's Day Off on the Slopes. Sip, ski, and be merry. Friday, January 10th at Jack Frost Mountain from JFBB, where the snow comes first. And 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. We are very excited to have our next two guests in the studio. They have been part of uh, television shows and films uh, that we all love. Adore. Throughout the years. And uh, they are going to be performing at the Bucks County Playhouse. The show is called Middletown. couple other cool guests on or uh, performers in that show as well, which we'll get to in a moment. But we are very excited to have in our studio today Cindy Williams and Dee Dee Kong. Yeah. Yeah. To the studio right. this morning. <laughs> good morning, ladies. Yeah, good, morning. good to see you. Thanks for all those meats. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, no you know, baloney, listen, baby. Listen, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you certainly warrant the widest uh, selection of meat we could provide. Uh, <laughs> it's we're, our pleasure. Preston's right, though. We're, we're incredibly excited because we're, we're just massive fans of, uh, you know, you guys. And I was, Preston and I were chatting last night. 
uh, you know, uh, though you have received accolades, both of you, throughout your careers, I, I think, you know, I think historically you guys are um, still at a level of being underrated as far as just how good you guys have been over the years. And, uh, you know, Preston and I were talking about uh, American Graffiti yep. and and Cindy, you know, they just, I mean, seminal work and 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 the comedy duo you and and Penny Marshall Laverne and Shirley Didi I mean you know there I was watching Grease the other night and there there are, there are nuances and things to both your careers and performances that I think if people you know take some time will really appreciate just how damn good you are oh, so i said Steve, it Steve yeah. Didi we're going to have to buy Steve a pizza <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, but we wish we were serious i mean so much of what you've done and and this is really why we get excited about Guess like like uh, you two is because it's it's we're pop culture fanatics and mm-hmm. and it's provided so much of the fodder of what are some of our fondest memories and that that has to be cool for you at, you know I hope it is at this point to encounter that kind of you know reaction I hope that's what you're getting I love bamboo <laughs> <laughs> yes. that's it I love bamboo there yeah, you go yeah, yeah, gosh I could recite pretty much that entire movie yep. and every song and act it out oh. which just I mean would watch it over and over and over again it's a phenomenon really Greece I mean it seems like an, every generation discovers it mm-hmm. anew you know and it's wonderful really I mean great. a kid do not very rarely does a day go by that not that one of us says something, something. from the movie, yeah. sings a line from a song, or says something from the movie. It's it's got that it was, kind of staying power. Yeah. It was just on uh, the country uh, CMT the other night. Of course, on CMT it runs four and a half hours because there's <laughs> forty four thousand commercials. But but yeah, and it's just it you know it has that transcendent thing as as uh, you know both your your uh, libraries of work uh, uh, do. But I wanted to talk quickly about uh, you know and mention what you're here for. Is yeah. this uh, production of Middletown? Right. Which is uh, Middletown, New Jersey, is what it pertains to, correct? Exactly. It's about the two couples who have been friends for 33 years. And what's great is Donnie Most, right? Who's the uh, so the other two president we're talking about and Donnie Most and Adrian Zemed, right? That's like a who's who. Well, you know, my very first job in Hollywood was on Happy Days, and I played Ralph Malf's girlfriend. No way! He my... gave me mononucleosis. <laughs> oh my yeah. god! For real on the show? That's for real? Right. And I haven't seen him for forty years. Wait, Cindy's wondering if he gave you mono in real life <laughs> no, or on the show? No. Oh, no. no, okay. Right. Mononucleosis. <laughs> Is that when the show was one camera? Yes. So you, it was. Okay. Was there? There must have been a kissing scene. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And and then Adrian was in Greece, too. So I haven't seen him in 40 years either. Wow. So, and Cindy, you know, we were at Paramount at the same time. So the four of us getting together at the first day of rehearsal, it was like a reunion. It was, there was a... Old home week. Yeah, it really was. So this has to be very cool because, so you're, you're, and, and... Reading about, I, I wasn't familiar with Middletown. It's from uh, uh, an author, uh, Dan Clancy, is the guy's right, name. Right, right. Okay, and and it's so. It, is is it a uh, you you've reached that certain point in in life where I, I it, it described as as comedic and touching yeah. and uh, you know sort of a here we are at this point in our life, sort of comedy drama. Would well, that be it, correct? It, it goes. It goes over the thirty three years. They go back in time to when they first met. Okay, and it's kind of like different high points of their lives and some low points but what they're and they're two absolutely opposite couples in terms of but they've their interests friends. and but how they became friends and how them first the women 
and then how we bring the husbands in. Right. That usually ha- that happens a lot. Yeah. Right. They, yeah. They, they, it's right. the, the women who my my wife will meet. <laughs> people and she becomes friends yeah. and it's sort of expect i hope you're i hope you become friends with a husband <laughs> that's exactly yeah. it yeah yeah, yeah. that's what happens but to do a new play at bucks county is uh, part of a tradition you know that uh, is such history there we i got to see the theater last night it's beautiful yeah it is it's and a I mean, wonderful facility robert redford was there grace kelly liza minnelli i mean it's the foremost place for try out something new to bring to New York. So is that the is that the end goal here with this or or no? Well, yeah, well you know, yeah. always it's I live in New York, so hey, it would be nice <laughs> to like just yeah. come right home. Boom, yeah. boom, boom. Right, right, right. Walk to work. <laughs> it's it's a place filled with a lot of heart and um, and humor. See, to see theater like this, to see stuff like this, is always cool. And people are you know who've never had the opportunity or never even considered it. Here's a good entree. People, friends that they've spent time with over the years, yes, you can go exactly. and see something and see because there's really nothing like it. That's it's, right. it's really a unique experience. Yeah, right. It's uh, and there's something for everyone in it. Yeah. Um, it's and it hits upon certain times that are iconic in um, you know in history and in um, yeah, the true America and. Uh, and how the, these couples live through those times. It sort of reminds me, at least a, a tone maybe of a, uh, like same time next year or that sort of where over the, over the course of years, uh, uh, even though it's a different dynamic, right. but, but visiting at different points. And in, in this is that was one couple, but two couples and their relationship together. Right, right. Over yeah. the course well, of, yeah. yeah. How life comes in. And, and yeah, well, it, what was interesting when I read the play, I read and I said, oh, Dottie, that's for me, Didi Dottie. You know, I had played every variation of, you know, Non Too Bright or whatever, you know, that there is. But no, they said, Cindy wants to play that's that. right. Yes, and- Non Too Bright. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I got the part. No, oh, I, I, it's a great part. And she part. gets all I the laughs. But you get to play it. Well, you know, later on. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to, we're going to switch. Oh, do you? Oh, no, not, that's not, very cool. Not, not no, while we're not, here. Yeah, yeah. But, what was interesting was that the part of Peg, which I play, is someone very introverted yeah. and and needs a friend like Dottie to to help her to get through certain situations that she's very shy about or fearful of. And um, it's it's been a wonderful joy for me to play something very different. That's and, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Cindy, I wanted to ask you, since uh, Dee Dee had mentioned, you know, being on Happy Days uh, in, in the, that very first season... Um, how extraordinary was it that, that you and Penny Marshall appear on Happy Days as these characters and all of a sudden they want to do a spinoff show? I mean, that had to have been incredible as somebody who's just stepping in to do, you know, a guest appearance of sorts. And now, hey, guess what? You did such a great job. We want to give you this whole show. It had to have been pretty incredible. Well, Penny and I had to ask for the definition of spinoff. We had no idea <laughs> what what it meant, and they said they want to give you your own show. We couldn't believe it. Well, we were writing together at the time. We were writing this uh, this sketch movie for, for, for Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola. Yeah, that, right. right. And yeah. um, Steve Martin, Martin Mull, Harry Shear. I can't remember the other writers, but they had one. Girl writing team. You could have done it. We could have done it together, Dee Dee. Uh, and that was me and Penny, and that was the first time we really worked together. And then Gary Marshall, who is Penny's brother, was he called one day and said, we got these two parts, uh, the parts of girls, two girls who date the fleet. 
And it was like, date the fleet. What's he talking about? So they and we want you and Penny. And I thought, this will take care of my rent for a year. So we went over and we played these girls. And when we first played them, we were floozies. Yeah. We just... You know, we were smoking. We came on in, in rehearsal, smoking, flinging the, you know, flinging the, the cigarette, cigarette across the stage. And we were told, no, 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 this is a family show. Uh, we won't be doing that. So we had to t- go back and tone it down. But we had no idea. I'd never seen the show. And uh, my sister, though, ironic, was an extra on it. And she kept t- telling me, oh, there's a show. It's fun. You should watch it. And you'd really like the characters. Anyway, um, so I, I didn't own a TV at the time, so I didn't know the show. She didn't know the show, so that was our take on the characters in the beginning. Then we went back to our little writing job after we did that, and then two weeks later they called and said they want to do a spinoff with you girls. It's wild. The scene, yeah, it is wild. Wow. The scene where you punch Rich, <laughs> when you punch Richie in the face, oh my, it's still cracks me up. You know, Ron oh. loves that. He said, boy, we did that well. Oh, and, I go, what? and he goes, no, we timed that really well. Cause it, and it then I perfect. went back in the ne- when I saw it, I said, well, he's right because yeah. it does look like yeah. I'm... Yeah. You know, those things can look really fake. Yeah. But yeah, he took that really <laughs> well, well, that punch on the chin. I was reading about the... Yeah, I mean, stop and think of it. Preston and I talk about this all the time. You have these... You know, super split audiences now with uh, with streaming services, and there's you know, no, 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 not a lot of odds. People are watching exactly what you're watching. Mm-hmm. When that show went, and by the way, Laverne and Shirley quickly eclipsed Happy Days mm-hmm. yes. as the number one show and mm-hmm. held that spot for a number of years. Um, you're talking, you know, the uh, the majority of the country was watching that show. And I was um, reading uh, an interview with you and, and, and Penny Marshall at the time, and, and it first hit you, I think you were doing the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Right. At just how Im- immersed the country was in Laverne and Shirley fever. And explain what, what the, the tipping point was there when you thought, oh, my God, this is huge. Well, we just had no idea the yeah. popularity of the show. I because mean, you we were doing the show. You weren't well, out We were back. not... Yeah, we were just over on a yeah. sound stage for 13 weeks at Paramount, and then they let us out, and they asked us to do the Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Day Parade in Manhattan, yeah. Macy's Day Parade, or Macy's Parade. Yeah. And so we were on some kind of float thing, and uh, we were supposed to... Ju- we done this album. I'm sure you've played it many times here, <laughs> along with the Foo Fighters. Yes. Uh, and so they said, you're going to stop here and you're going to jump off and you're going to lip sync, you know, your, yeah. the they do run, run. Right. That was it. Okay. And so we did. We jumped off and then this crowd started moving toward us and Penny and I looked behind us to see who was there that they were, you know, going toward. Right. And then we realized Let's it's us. And, we, and they broke a barrier and so we jumped back on the, you know, they float. say get back on the float. Yeah. So we got back on the float. But we we had no idea of uh, the popularity of the show. I don't even think to the end we had a, really had an idea. I remember Penny and I were watching it once because we, we never saw it. I, we just would do the show and we'd never watch it because it ran on the night that we were filming it. Okay. So uh, we one time had to watch the show because we were getting clips for some reunion show. And I remember Penny, we were watching something, we were laughing, and she goes, you know, 
this is pretty good. <laughs> and and it was, you know, she was right. It was, at least the one we were watching. But it was, anyway. It was better than good. Well, I mean, yeah. There were so many times, and, you know, obviously with, with, with her passing, which, uh, um, right. you know, was, uh, caught us all. But to review those I mean, you know, the people to bring up uh, Lucy and Ethel and, and uh, you know, the, the great comedy pairings. There was a precision to your physical comedy mm-hmm. married with, I, th- I think, Cindy, in particular, your ability to, yeah, you would just start delivering lines and I would start laughing. You, you, there was a nuance you would find in things because uh, Lauren and Shirley could be broader than I think Happy Days. Happy Days started off as just a, it was more... M- Based in reality, its first two seasons, and then went in front of a live audience, and it was sort of sort of a weird transition for it. But it, you know, Henry Winkler, Fonzie became the the driver. You guys were you were it was always about you two, and and you were always the the, the part of the show that just popped. And um, but there was a meticulous thing to what you guys did, and I, I had to imagine the amount of work that went into pulling that stuff off. I mean, there's some, there are literally classic bits from Laverne and Shirley that everyone remembers. Always one-liners that would uh, introduce uh, Lenny and Squiggy. Somebody <laughs> would say something and yeah. then, hello. Oh, yeah. oh, the hello joke. That's yeah. what we call it. It never the got old. Joke. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we had a born-again Christian censor. It was a time in television where there were censors um, that were... Um, given to each show and uh well not like a gift yeah. but you know they were signed they had to watch yeah, yeah yes and they and he didn't let us very nice guy didn't let us get away with anything so we we invented around it and i think that's why the tone of the show became across the boards because we'd really be stupid and come up with these stupid things that would make us laugh. And it was actually in ways, it would be almost be worse than what you would have, like exactly. the, the Ovodio double, dough double entendre instead of sex exactly. was, was yeah. yeah, we'd have to come up with, yeah. Things it's like it's that. wild. Yeah. Dee, um, I wanted to ask you about uh, playing ditzy because you mentioned that earlier, and and people can cheapen that. They can play ditzy or dumb, really, and they do the same thing when playing drunk. Sometimes, <laughs> uh, what do you think is harder to do? You know, when I first started out, it seemed like. Anytime I would go to an audition and there'd be all blondes there, I would get the job. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I the, the first one was a series with Danny Thomas that I did. Actually, it was called The Practice, but it was different. He was a doctor. I remember that show was on yeah. for just a limited time. Yeah, but it was, one year. And it yeah. was actually pretty good. Yeah, it was yeah. really good. I played his reception. So what I did was I, I just thought that... So, and I was in awe of Danny Thomas anyway, because I had remembered Make Room for Daddy. And, yeah, yeah, and which was looked, a very funny uh, classic sitcom. Yeah, yeah, and he looked so much like my daddy, you know. So, all I did was, I was just in awe of him. And and because I was so in awe of him, I would do a lot of stupid things. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but that was, you know, so uh, I've never had to play drunk. Okay. But I think that if, if I did... Um, it would be again, maybe just the opposite. Trying n- not to be drunk. Right. You know? <laughs> well, you, the first time I saw you, actually, I remember there was a movie called "You Light Up My Life," oh, yeah. and 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 it, yep. and it came out, and it and it actually spawned the Debbie Boone song that became a big hit. Yeah, yeah. and and but it was, and it was a serious, more it was sort of serious. You're playing a, 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 a yes. you were a comedian and a singer and. Uh, yeah, and then the year after, I think it's like the year after, yeah. Grease comes out. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, yeah, it was. It was after I did a couple of other films in between, but um, yeah, well, Grease was 
was a lot of fun. I mean, I mean that we was, just had the best time. Alan Carr, the super right. producer, Robert Stigwood, who had, he just came off Brilliant. Saturday night uh, fever. Fever, that's right. And then you had the the mega stars of the time, mm-hmm. John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John. I know. We just had Olivia Newton-John on uh, talking about the whole experience. And, and uh, uh, what was that like to be around that? Because you will, you don't see promotion and that Hollywood mechanism right, like you right. used to see. Well, you know, Olivia was. Um, she must have told you that she was afraid, she and was, she yeah. took a screen test with John, and there was instant chemistry between them. You right, know, rocking and rolling, <laughs> and boom, boom, boom. So, but her first scene was with me walking onto the campus of Rydell. Yeah, and. You know, as you said, I had done a couple of films, so I was a veteran film actress. (laughs) I just began to improvise with her because she was really not focused and her hands were shaking. And and, she was a singer, yeah. Yes. And I. So I just said, oh, you know, so nice that you moved right next door to me and you're from. Tell me about Sydney, Australia. And anyway, she went, began an imp, and she played along. All of a sudden, they said action, and we went into the scene, and afterwards, she. Hugged me so tight to say, thank you, you know, this is fun, you know. And what happened was, from that point on, we all stayed in character all day long. There was a constant improv going. As soon as we got into our makeup chairs... We became, had everybody called us by our characters' names. Really? Which gave us the license, because most of us were a bit older <laughs> than the teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, you know, but then you could be, you know, silly and horny yeah. and whatever. But I think everyone sort of gave license to that because it's part of the deal. You, you, everyone got it that it was, that they were, it was, you know, yeah. because the original source material, the Grease right, musical, right. was very. Provocative. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. In Chicago. In fact, here's a little tidbit. Yeah. Beauty School Dropout was the first song that uh, Jim Jacobs and Warren Casey wrote for the musical. No kidding. And it came not from their experience in high school, but they heard on the news of a guy who had just committed murder. And they said, this guy was a beauty school dropout <laughs> and he committed murder. And they said, Click. that's a song. <laughs> Hey, Dee did you... Yeah, go back to high school. (laughs) Did you already... uh, Were you already a smoker, or did you have to learn? uh, Oh, no, no, I had... I've broken my nose. That's why it only went up one side, but... uh, (laughs) Yeah, no, no, I wasn't... I'm not... That's why the smoke only went up one side of your nose? Yeah, I've tried to... Look for that. Look for that in the movie. I tried to smoke. I tried. I wanted to be cool, but uh, no, I... No, I was allergic. Uh, so, but you you did it for that role, obviously. Oh, yeah, that's baby. how Frenchie got her name. So you, that you... scene was so we were so into it, right? And we're on a soundstage in Paramount. We were so into it that at one point, when they took out the wine bottle, we were in a master shot. I jumped up and went and closed my bedroom door, like my mother was going. My mother was in Brooklyn, <laughs> you know. But that's how how deep we were into it. You were in that, the, the, the Grease sequel with Adrian's Men, which, yeah. which brought us Michelle Pfeiffer uh, yes. as well. Oh, and, yes. And you were in the live Fox. You made an appearance on that, correct? Yeah. Which I thought they did a solid job with. Oh, they were fun. wonderful. That's Tom Kale, wonderful director. And, you know, he directed Hamilton on Broadway and yeah. this Fosse, um, Verdon. That, that looks phenomenal, right yeah. Now. But, oh, yeah, that was weird, though, because I... Uh, you know, <laughs> I saw Carly Ray 
And I thought, oh, my God, that's the daughter I never had. <laughs> and she started crying, and I started crying. Aww. And that was very, it was, because it was coming up to our 40th anniversary, and I hadn't really thought about it. You know, 40 years is, mm. it took Moses 40 years to get to the promise. <laughs> I mean, what's happening here, you know? So I, I and then I'm playing Vi, I'm playing the Joan Bond. It, it was weird. It, it is wild. Yeah. But yeah. so that, that was nostalgic. And and Cindy, American Graffiti. We were talking about American Graffiti. How Press and I, you know, we love that movie on so many levels. But one of the great aspects of that is that tying the whole movie together is Wolfman Jack, who, yeah. who was right. a legendary right. broadcaster. And, yeah. and his the way he's portrayed in the movie and and his the heart and soul of that character is just for for radio people that is just. It's sort of a radio movie without being a radio movie. Well, George um, Lucas described it to Ron Howard and myself in the beginning as a musical. Really? Yeah. He said, because the music will never stop until the source, except for, I think it was two dramatic times when the source of the music is gone, when the car is stolen. Yeah. So the radio's gone. And uh, at, at the end, when there's the accident, and again... The music is gone because of the uh, radio being wiped out. So, uh, but what you say about Wolfman, when I was in high school, I mean, you dared, you had to dare yourself to listen to him because he was so naughty. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's what everybody said. And I thought, what's so naughty about this? One of the nicest people and so talented. I mean, just so talented could keep a, you know. Kind of like you fellas and ladies. <laughs> well, yeah. Just could we appreciate keep you it. listening. And uh, and that was, uh, I thought that was a stroke of genius of uh, um, uh, many of the geniuses that George possesses, but that he described it as a musical. And if you think about it, the music in that movie was another character. And Elv, um, Colonel Parker wouldn't allow any of Elvis's movies. That's why Elvis Presley's music isn't in... No kidding. The, right. Big wow. mistake, because that Big soundtrack was, it was huge. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huge. And it was. And it, I remember people were, were crying nostalgically leaving that movie, and it just affected so many people. It's, just yeah. a, it's, a, it's a perfect movie. That whole 1970s era w- was really a love affair of the 1950s, if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, With yeah. Happy Days mm-hmm. and Laverne and Shirley yeah. and Grease, Grease, all of that. And yeah, I was true. a kid at that time, and I was way caught up in it. I remember... You know, being go- we wore you know girls were wearing poodle skirts yeah. to school, and it was it really took over the nation. It was something special. It's a it's a wild it's a wild thing. Yeah, it's, and, and I encourage anyone who's never seen American Graffiti, you're seeing George Lucas at the beginning of his of his craft, the genius. And there's no movie like it. And your your performance is fantastic, and you get to ride off with uh, Harrison Ford for a little bit, and it's very cool. Yeah. Let me reset just a moment. Cindy Williams and Dee Dee Connor here. They're uh, performing in Middletown, which is the, the Bucks County Playhouse. Dee Dee, somebody texted in. It wanted me to ask you about a generation of people who know you from Shiny Time Station. Oh. Which I, I forgot. Yes. Hello, Stacy Jones speaking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's a whole other generation right there, and they're they're growing up now. Yeah. You know, oh, is... I know that that all the Thomas the Tank Engine yeah. stories huge. Are still huge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, every so often I'll I'll meet a fellow who's like in his late twenties, early thirties, who was, and they say, 
Are you Stacy Jones? Wow. And I'm just waiting for one of those guys to run a studio. <laughs> give me a great new bar, you did, know? You work, uh, did you work with Ringo? Uh, I, that's why I took the job. That's cool. I mean, you don't go on PBS for the money. <laughs> you get an umbrella, you get a mug. But, you know, I liked what you said before about, about, yeah, about <laughs> friends that you feel like, we meet people who who have seen the movies Grease so much, or, or Shining Time, yeah. or or Laverne and Shirley, and they feel like they're our friends, and that's why this play, which is about friendship, yeah, and um, the memory of friendship, and and what it does, and how it changes your life. So we're hoping that people who come. They want to, you know, continue that relationship with They're us. friends with you yeah. from an already existing relationship. It's true. Yeah. Seeing live theater is a wonderful thing and at a, a great venue. And it's a beautiful theater. Yes. Great, great venue. Well, we got to wrap it up. But listen, I, I want you guys to go back and tell Donnie Most... And Adrian's mad. There's some really nice radio guys here. <laughs> yes. I want to get them in here, too. Especially Adrian, oh, because we had somebody good. come in studio last year and got yes. an Adrian's Ahmed tattoo. Yes. Oh, Kitty. Yes. Steve had made just a, a thrown out there joke about having an Adrian Zemed tattoo, and a guy called up and he's like, I'll get one. I think Adrian Zemed is underrated. I, I, you know. Oh, he's, oh, he's wonderful. Yeah. And, he's uh, my husband. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Donnie. Donnie also. Well, maybe yeah. someone will get a Donnie Most tattoo. We can work on it. We can find definitely someone. work that out. I love you guys, and thank you for having us. Oh, on. you're wonderful, yeah. all yeah. of you. Thank you. I, I also want to mention that Middletown, you know, when it's done at the uh, Bucks County Play, House that it's actually going to move to the Delaware Theater Company. Oh, it's going to be oh, playing cool. there, but there's going to be a switch out, I believe. Cindy and uh, Donnie are not going to be there. Yeah, guess what? Yeah, so it's going to be Anson, Anson Williams, Williams. Oh. and yeah. Sally yeah, Struthers. Oh, and I'm going to play right. We had yeah. Sally Struthers in here. This is yes, we we oh, love this. this. Oh, it'll be fun. Right. Yeah. 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 Did Anson Williams can he have any uh, kissing diseases? <laughs> <laughs> Say that's it. No. Um, <laughs> it turns out that entire Happy Days cast is crawling with disease. Mono, I can't believe they have a storyline where. I love it. All right, Ralph well. Gives you- we love you, ladies. Thank you for being here. We love this you. Morning. Thank you so much. Cindy Williams and Didi Carr, guys. WMMR presents Preston and Steve's Totally Office Calendar 2020. Shot on location at the Met, Philadelphia. 12 magnificent months featuring the most gorgeous girls and our loveliest listeners. On sale now for just 15 bucks in the MMR Rock Shop at WMMR.com. Order by this Friday to have it in time for the holidays. Or get your hands on a free copy at an upcoming calendar raid while meeting the girls and members of the show. Details at WMMR.com. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. I uh, saw this thing I wanted to bring up. It is a, um, I told you, there's a lot of great articles on BuzzFeed. And sometimes they highlight, uh, you know, Reddit uh, threads and so on. And there was one, the no. Every single one of us can relate with, and it's basically titled, Oh, my God, my parents are going to kill me. Oh, yeah. When you brought this up, uh, literally three things <laughs> in my the, life, yeah. three things come to mind immediately. They will haunt me until the day I die mm-hmm. and the terror and fear that I that I had. So I love this topic. I have a, I have a couple in mind as well immediately and, and thoughts of uh, my dad is going to, you know, dad's going to kill Ralphie. Dad's going <laughs> to kill you know, Ralphie. But only it was me I was thinking about. 
Uh, but let me let me read you a couple of these examples and feel free to uh, to chime in with your own. Here's one that says, when I was 11 years old, my parents weren't home one day. My older sister, who didn't even have our learner's permit at the time, decided to practice pulling my mom's car in and out of our driveway. <laughs> oh, man. She convinced me to get in the car with her, and when she tried to brake, she hit the gas instead, and we plowed straight <gasps> into the house. Oh. oh, my God. Not only did she leave a huge hole in the house... But she broke the water main and the house flooded oh, too. My God. <laughs> and I was the one who had to call my dad and tell him. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, that's a bad one. Uh, here's another one. When I was a teenager, I secretly went out drinking with my boyfriend and we walked back to our house afterwards. Uh, he wasn't <laughs> supposed to stay the night, but he drunkenly stumbled into the house oh, and boy. for some strange reason... Went to my parents' room oh, and passed God. out on the floor oh, next to their bed. <laughs> you guys are such a cute couple. No, that's terrible. She said, I was terrified as I tried to quietly wake him up and move him out. But, of course, he woke up super loud, waking up my parents immediately. What if he had woken up with the mom squatting over him? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. What's so- your name? She thought she was going to die. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it doesn't get worse. My friend uh, took her college boyfriend home, and he got in bed with her parents. (gasps) Uh, Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. And (laughs) any idea how that ended? I mean, they're not together. She's married to somebody else. But yeah. (laughs) Um, Here's one that says, I was seven years old, and a lot of these are for women. I was seven years old, and I just got my first pair of heels. So, of course, I thought it would be a good idea to tap dance on the glass table. <laughs> well, when the table shattered, it was inevitably going to. My dad was so grateful that I wasn't hurt, he didn't even get mad. So you got lucky there. Oh, if you can do that, if yeah. if if the fear, you're okay, thank God. If that overrides, uh-huh. I have one of those. I, there was, uh, yeah, you want to go ahead? Yeah, okay. so, um, you know, I never liked to leave a room when I was a kid in a very laconic way. I would run out because I'm a superman. And uh, we had a front door that was, you know, uh, the screen door. At that point in time, it had one full sheet of glass. It was winter. And so my I was chasing my brother, and he went out the door and pushed it open. And it was swinging back, and I thought I could run out before it closed. Oops. And I stuntmaned right through the glass. <gasps> I'm like, I don't know. 12 at the time. Oh, no kidding. No. And I blew through this, which I don't believe at that time was safety tempered glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I blew through it with such speed that it just, bl- you know, it, it shattered. Blew out completely. And I was standing there on the on the front porch like, oh, am I okay? <laughs> and, and, and they were so furious, but amazed that I wasn't bleeding. Yeah. I got away with it. But, it, yeah. but it's amazing how quickly the thought Dad's going to kill me. Oh, my God. Immediately. I would rather have bled to death. Right. I, always pretend you're hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Kathy, that's a great idea. Yeah. I didn't yeah. think of that. Uh, well, I, my, when my son had the, uh, he had the toilet plunger. That's and right. And he plunged. And he could have died. He Explain the story. He could have died. He uh, basically took the toilet plunger on a on the mirror in the bathroom, and it was a, a big mirror. Like half the wall size? Like probably about the size from like this computer monitor to that computer monitor. Okay, so that's All, a good was, five feet wide, yeah. It, big... it was the gigantic mirror, and yeah. I don't think he necessarily planned on doing this. No, of course but he, he did But he plunged the mirror off of the wall... <laughs> And and crashed down on his head and oh it hit uh, him oh yeah it hit him oh wow but you have to understand when you're a kid 
Of course that's something you're going to... This is going to be a great experiment. In fact, he was probably trying to, like, climb the wall. I can do this. I'll do this as a profession. Yeah. Did it break? Oh, it's... Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, so... He could have died. He... Uh, a, a thousand different ways he could have died. You know, yeah. like he could have died just from the impact. He could have like sliced his neck open, whatever. Um, so it was the same thing. It's like, first of all, I had to figure out what happened. Yeah. So wait, hold on, hold yeah. on. How did you come across this? Did anybody come and tell you that oh, something happened? Oh no, you heard it. Okay, we we were right, downstairs. Yeah, my Thank bad, you. my bad. No. You, you heard the crash. We heard the giant crash <laughs> <laughs> oh from upstairs. I mean, because it, it was also very, very heavy. So we ran upstairs, and you got three kids standing there, like, uh, okay, what happened here? What yeah. was the immediate answer? You know, I don't really recall because I was smart enough to go, everybody get in your your rooms. Yeah. All right. Uh, first, is everybody okay? All right. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's bleeding. All right. Everybody get into your rooms. Now I, I need to get these stories <laughs> separately. You had right? to separate because them. Because Avery was like, you know, and then, and then she was like, no. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Everybody leave. Do <laughs> so you go, get, you get, go get, into yes. like each room with a cup of coffee and light up a cigarette? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so what happened? Yeah. And can so we, I, can I was. Yeah. Can I get you anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before yeah, we get started, try to loosen your tie there. <laughs> I just want to let you know that you're uh, your sister. Right, right. She dimed you out. Yeah. All right. So, so I, bitch. I already know what happened, but yeah. I just want to hear from your from your own mouth. So it, I I was able to get to the bottom of it, and and again, you're alive. You're not hurt, and that's all I care. Hey, it, it offers instant context to the whole thing, but there there are things that have, that are of less, mm-hmm. you know, than than a life threatening thing. When you're, especially when he did it, well, he must have thought. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. So my my son's friend just had something happen the other day and it's this is my dad told me not to do this like five times yeah. and I did it anyway and so he he was obsessed with his butcher's knife and so he took the butcher's knife and he's trying to make spears, right? And and his dad already yeah. caught him, you know? So he, That's how most people make their spears with right? butcher knives. Well, you know, so how, he's trying to sharpen a he's stick. He's trying to sh- sharpen a stick. I used to make spears differently. I never used it with a knife, but right. um and he cut his thumb, and he ended up having to get taken to the emergency room. It was like two days ago, but yeah. like... What did I tell you? Well, yeah. how did you cut your thumb? I cut it on a uh, can of soda, uh-huh. is what he told his dad. Where's All right, well, can? where's the can? It's upstairs. So he starts going upstairs, and the kid bam, runs right past him, runs up the stairs, throws the knife underneath the couch, and the dad's oh. like, dude, like, I saw you, yeah, <laughs> I, you yeah, know? Yeah, you're exacggerating so, like, the issue. You know, He's like, but you know, when you cut your thumb open, you're like, oh my god, my dad's gonna kill me. Yep, yep. I had, uh, and not as dramatic as that, but I remember this. And I was, I was pre kindergarten, so I had to have been four years old, maybe. My dad had a motorcycle; it was a 250 cc, good size motorcycle, oh. in the garage. And as a kid, I would crawl, climb up on that thing. I was told not to play on the motorcycle. Don't do it. Don't it's do a it. Motorcycle. I know. It's the coolest thing ever. And I, somehow or another, I knocked that thing off its kickstand. It oh, fell over. No. It did not land on me. Had it at four years old, it could have killed me. Yeah. You know. And I just left. <laughs> I just left, and I left the motorcycle there. Maybe they won't notice. You know that the motorcycle's on its side. Yeah. 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 So I, I don't remember because I was that young. How mad my dad got or anything like that or how I got in trouble. I do clearly know that they knew it was me, but I thought immediately they're going to kill me. I, That's exactly what I yeah, thought. Uh, mm-hmm. There's nothing to... Honestly, you, you're, you're, you're just thinking... Maybe I'll be lucky and die before they find out. Yeah. Here's another one. Then I'm going to go to some yeah. phone calls because we have a tongue coming in. This says, when my sister and I were younger, we had a pet rabbit named Buster who was sadly killed by the neighbor's dogs one day and buried in a plastic bag in our garden. Well, 
A few years later, my sister and I got curious about Buster. We dug him up. <laughs> oh we used God. my mom's good kitchen scissors to open the bag. Oh, my God. But the smell was so excruciatingly bad that we just quickly buried him again and put the scissors away. Later that night, my mom was using the scissors oh, and God. trying to figure out what that awful smell oh, was. Gross. Oh, gross. When we came clean, she was actually smelling Buster. She was livid. Oh, she was God. smelling dead Buster yeah. on the scissors. Let me go to some calls. I'll get uh, Mike, our first Mike. We got a couple of mics on the line. Hey, Mike, you're on the air. Good morning. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you? Good. So when did you think your your mom or your dad was going to kill you? Well, besides every other day, it was usually my dad. That's how I used to make decisions. Yeah. Uh, so I was 17, <laughs> senior in high school, Delaware County, growing up in Havertown. We were uh, ready to go out. My dad said, no, you're not going out on Mission Tonight. It's Mission Tonight. I said, come on. I'm 17 years old. I'm a senior in high school. Let me be. He's like, all right. Man. Not, I, I better not get a call from the police station. That's what his last words were to me. <laughs> <laughs> so we're out. We're in Lawrence Park Shopping Center. My friends and I, there was just two of us, and decided to throw some eggs at some pedestrians walking around Lawrence Park Shopping Center. Oh, next you a-hole. Oh, next thing we know, there's a there's a undercover cop in a truck following us. My friend doesn't know it's a cop, so he's trying to speed away from the guy. And the guy's, like, flagging us down, takes us to the Marble Police Station. Cop says, all right, you got to call your dad. And I said, what? He's like, you got to call your dad. Said, uh, Okay. So I dial the phone number. My dad picks up. I hang up on him. I don't even say anything. <laughs> Cop, he, he says he calls him back and he says, uh, "Hello, such and such. Your son is uh, your son's being arrested for disorderly oh. conduct, oh, man. citation." And uh, I hear I hear the cop go, no, no, "Sir, sir, no, no, no. He's a juvenile. No, we, can't, we, can't, we can't just put him in jail." <laughs> That's how you do it. Put him in jail. Yeah. No, sir. It's worse than being at the police station. Oh, my. Well, and then, so now I I have two boys of my own, and I preface everything by telling them, when you make a decision, say to yourself, will my father kill me before you make that decision? That's a great great line to leave them with. You know what, though, Mike? What happens is, and you get that, and even as a kid, you'll get the lecture, and you'll understand it, but then there'll be that moment where you walk into the garage, and there's that shiny motorcycle yeah, I know. and that tends to override all yeah. the stuff you know better yep. and it just happens. Oh. Well, Steve, you know the saddest part of this is while I'm sitting here waiting to get I'm thinking of 87 other stories. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, yeah, Tom, and get yeah. back to us another time, Mike. We appreciate it, bud. Take care. All right, see you later. Uh, let's go to, oh my God, let me go to uh, John. Hi, John. Good morning. <laughs> hey, John. What's your story? You thought they were your parents were going to kill you? Oh man, um, yeah. So I was maybe like nine or ten. I was a firebug growing up. Oh, yeah. me too. Mm. Were you? Yeah. yeah. I like, I, I'm not now. No. Okay. Now. <laughs> well, that's good. Not <laughs> that you're an adult. So, um, I was, you know, experimenting with matches outside, and um, I lit a book of matches on fire and got a little out of hand. And I threw it, and it landed in a whole thing of dry leaves in our neighbor's yard. Mm-hmm. The entire yard caught fire. Oh, man. Like, just the entire thing caught fire, and it just kept getting closer and closer to this neighbor's house. All I did was panic and run away. Oh, yeah. you just, just and, bailed. And, yeah, oh, yeah, I bailed, and my friends ratted me out, of course. Yeah. Because, you know, what are friends for? <laughs> and uh, I, I just thought, I was like, that's it. They're, they're just going to murder me. I'm yeah. Dead. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's serious John, stuff. Question: Have they told you to stop playing with matches or fire at any point? Um, I don't think they knew. I mean, this 
So this was the first time I got caught. Um, okay, all right. Thankfully, because uh, I almost burned our house down, too, by lighting a tissue on fire, and it got out of hand. <laughs> oh, my I God. landed on the carpet. I mean, it's that's bad. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, that, that the house didn't burn down. And thank you, John. I appreciate it. And, and your parents, I'm sure, had... Uh, there was hell to pay for that, but it's it's exponentially worse when you've been told many times, yeah. "Don't do this." Well, I so as as a as a young man, I'm uh, I'm doing you know I got my Super 8 camera and I'm going to make stop motion movies like King Kong, and I got my whole thing. I got my light, this big light that would heat up. I was making it in the living room. We had a rug in the living room. You know, I had my, my there was a table I was doing it on, and so I I was you know I would sit the thing down. It had a stand on it, but I was sitting it down like on the carpet on its stand. Yeah, mother kept saying, "Don't do that! Don't 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 do that! Don't put that there! Don't do that!" And they were away out for the day shopping at the mall or whatever, and I did it, and so it was like a big dome on it. It fell over. Oh no! And just burned a hole in the carpet right down to the wood. Oof. There was this hole like this big hole in, in the. You try and, and cover it up. Yeah, I took a pot, <laughs> mind you, I took a potted plant <laughs> that was nowhere near it and uh, sat, and the hole was about three feet from the wall, yeah. and just sat the potted plant there, in like in the middle of the floor. They'll never know. No, it's like there's no way they wouldn't know it happened. They found <laughs> it instantly, noticed. and I, but I was dying. Yeah, Kathy. Yes. Oh, you had you were. You had uh, I don't up. know. Uh, I don't uh, know. All right. So listen, I was at my daughter's softball game. This is a. Long sort of drawn out story. There was a fire that lit up behind home plate. All right, so because there were, there were woods behind home plate, I had to go put it out. <laughs> and okay. there were three kids there. Um, and so you know, me and some other guy, uh, we take a couple of buckets because it was next to the creek, and we just you know we we, we put the fire. It's actually pretty decent sized. As I'm walking up, there are these three kids there that are looking guilty as hell. And me jokingly, I go, ooh, <laughs> this one kid, this little turd, he goes, stop messing with us, and lunges at me. I was like, and there was another parent there, and I, I'm laughing out. I'm, I'm like, did this little kid just lunge at me? It like, And I was only messing around. I was, you know, I was like, ooh, I'm fairly certain they were playing with matches back there, and that's how the, this fire... Did you find out that was the case? Well, no, but I was telling some other guy, I go, hey, I think they were playing with matches, and he says, dude, my friend burned his house down playing with matches. And I'm like, okay, well, I think your parents should kill you if you actually literally burned your house down with you were playing with matches. He was, right. doing, you know, and you said you had the fire bug, yeah, Preston. Yeah. Didn't yep. you burn down an entire A field? field? Yeah. <laughs> We put it. At, we me and my buddy had had to stomp it out with our feet, and we melted our shoes in the process. And I had to throw those shoes away. Uh, so anyhow, let me let me go over to Chuck because he's got a story about. Uh, so I'm nervous. I'm nervous telling the story because oh, I was really? in so much trouble for so long. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was four years old, and I accidentally lit my bed on fire. Oh Whoa. my god! So uh, we lived in an apartment. My sister was in school. My dad was working. My sister and I shared a bedroom when we were little. My mom was asleep in my sister's bed, and I was sitting up in my bed reading a comic book. And it must have been a, a strangely cloud, cloudy day because a cloud would go in front of the sun, and I would lose my light, and then a cloud, and then the light would come back. Right. And then the cloud would go in front of the sun, and right. lose the light, and the light would come back. And I thought, my dad has a Super 8 video camera, right? That had like a headlight you could put on top of it. Sure, it's like, the same <laughs> light that gets to be a thousand degrees, a zillion degrees, right? Uh, yes, they're they're just horribly hot. So I go and I get that light and I sit it on my bed, 
And when the cloud goes in front of the sun, I turn the light on. Okay. And then the cloud goes, you know, and then yeah. I, get, I turn it off. I turn yeah. it on, I turn it off, yeah. I turn it on. And finally I turn it on and woof, the, the sheets go up and, and Oh, flames. my God. Oh, wow. <gasps> my mom leaps out of her bed, out of my oh, sister's oh my bed. God. And is stomping and, and, you know, hitting it and pushing me out of the way and all this other stuff. And she says, and by the way, the funny part is we had matching sheets, my sister and I. They were like these brown sheets. And I destroyed them. And she says, don't ever tell your father he will kill you. Right? Wow. We didn't tell my dad until I was in my 30s. Did did he get pissed when you said it? Uh, At that point, you know, I think we were just talking over other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I said, Dad, didn't you ever notice that the matching sheets never matched anymore? You know, like when we were kids. Dude, you could have died. You could have died. Yeah, I mean, it was like a metal casing with a glass front. The thing got a million degrees. And even, yes, and even though it had like like a couple of of like little thin bars across it, it didn't matter. It was so goddamn hot. Oh, my God. Uh, here's here's another quick story I'm going to read, and then I'll go to the more phone calls, Steve. But this is a this is out of the they'll never notice uh, category, like my potted plant. Exactly. So this is in the middle think, of the floor. I think your parents are going to kill you. This says my brother and I were home alone and tossing beanie babies to each other in the living room. Well, one happened to hit the ceiling fan, and the entire fan came crashing down. Oh wow! We were too afraid to call our dad at work, so we called our mom, who was in another state on a business trip. And it has become the family story. The time we took out the whole ceiling fan and thought our dad would never find out. <laughs> took out the whole ceiling fan. Uh-huh. It just disappears, and he's not going to notice. I will go to Dustin. Hi, Dustin. Good morning. Oh, look who it is. It's Preston. That's yeah. right. Hey, Dustin. What's up, buddy? <laughs> so, uh, back when I was younger, uh, I'd say probably elementary school, uh, I was playing. My, my brother and I shared a room. He's about two years younger than me. And he just kept, like, whining and this and that. So I went down, and I was big in the wrestling, so I did, like, the ankle lock submission. And he just kept going back at it, so I kept going down. I did it, like, two or three times. Well, I'd say probably the fourth time, I did it really hard, and I cracked his ankle. Oh, he broke his ankle. Yes. So then I started crying because I was like, I am in so much crap. Like, I'm I'm screwed. And then uh, he was a big whiner, so my mom thought he was faking it the whole time. (laughs) She made him walk the mall for a little bit. Walk it off? And, he oh. just, and his, his, you know, his ankle was all swollen. He's like, you know, they took him to the, uh, I guess, the doctor or the emergency room. I can't remember. And they're like, yeah, his, his uh, growth plate in his ankle's fractured. I was like, oh, I guess he wasn't faking it. Well, <laughs> did, I heard the pop. Did it ever come back to you? Did you ever admit that you were yeah, the one who yeah. did it? She's like, you're grounded from wrestling, uh, from wrestling for quite a while. Wow. Like, okay. Yeah. But as long as that's all it is, that's it. It's those things also when you're when you're told, as you said, Preston, time and time again, not to do it, not yep. to do it, not to do it. There was a chair in our den. My father... It was a weird thing because he bought the chair because he liked the way it looked. It looked like a it looked like a cool 60s, 70s chair. It was just, uh, you know, a, a chair that uh, rotated. And it was like almost like a little hand holding your ass, you know? Yeah. And it was like, so he never used it. But I sat in it all the time. And I would actually lean forward on it. It was just four, like, legs sticking out at, at the base. And it was just a pole that went up to the bottom of the chair. And my mother kept saying, don't lean on that. Don't lean on that. And I would lean it forward. I was watching TV, and I'd do like these little yeah, yeah. rocking back and forth. Don't yeah. lean on it. Don't lean on it. I snapped the whole chair assembly right <laughs> off the base. Yeah. And my mother goes, well... You're gonna have to tell your dad you did that. Yeah, yeah. And oh. and and I'm and so from the time I got home to school, and of course it's one of those nights where my dad's getting home later than normal. Oh, you're just so stewing I'm in it, pissing myself. Yeah. And it was right out of a Christmas story. 
and I, I think I've told, might have told this story before. F- having dinner, and you know, my dad notices this dumb hand chair that's suddenly not there. Yeah. And what happened to the chair? Oh, Steve uh, was rocking on it and broke. So here's some more. And my mom did the Melinda Dillon thing from a Christmas story. I'm like, um, distraction. Oh my god. Yeah. And, I, and and you know, my my father looks at me like you dumbass. And that was it. But. It, my 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 torture was so I can I'm sweating now thinking about it. I love the line from that day forward. Things were different between my mother and I. <laughs> yeah, and actually that held true for my mom no as well. Yeah, yeah, I see yeah. the bears are in town. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, let me go to Derek. Hey, Derek. Good morning. Hey, really sorry to bother you guys at work. It's all good, dude. So, when did you think your your mom or your dad were going to kill you? So, uh, I was about probably 14 at the time. Uh, my parents were out for the day. And uh, my dad has always been a, a big Corvette collector. Uh, oh. One time he had four at one time. And um, I decided to uh, go into where he, quote unquote, hid the keys and grab the keys to the uh, 2003 50th anniversary event. Oh, okay. And uh, I was like, I'm just going to do a quick lap around the neighborhood. You know, <laughs> oh, my you know? Yeah. And so our neighborhood was literally like a NASCAR track. It was an oval like that. And um, I took it around, did like 20, 25 miles an hour. I was like, oh, that was cool. You know, one more time. I'll do one more time. One more time. (laughs) I sped it up a little bit. I was doing maybe like 40 through the neighborhood. No problem. Right? I was like, all right, that was cool. I was like, all right, nobody noticed. I'm going to do it one more time. I was on it. I was doing probably like 50 to 60 through the neighborhood. Um, Went past some lady's house, and she saw me. Now, granted, like my head barely looked over the steering wheel. I could barely reach the pedals. How old were you? 14. I was about 14. And uh, it was a manual, too. It was a six-speed manual car. So I had a real problem with the pedals. So um, she followed me. She came up, pulled out of her driveway. She must have been in her driveway or something. She pulled out of her driveway, followed me back to where I live, followed down the driveway. She's like, where's your parents at? Like, I'm going to tell your parents, speeding through the neighborhood, blah, blah, blah. Oh, man. And, and I was like, I was like, oh, they're not home. She's like, I'm calling the police, whatever. I was like, no, no, don't call the cops. Don't call the cops. She's like, I'm going to call them. And then, like, I forget what happened, but she left. You must and have been like, left. I'm going to have to kill this chick. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. I'm going to have to kill her. I'm, like, hiding in my room, looking out the front window, waiting for the cops to show up and stuff. And, like, oh, for hours, I was just sitting in my room, waiting, looking at the driveway, waiting for the cops to come. And uh, it never came. I was like, cool. My parents came home. I was like, oh, maybe I'm in the clear. Maybe she was, like, empty threat. So... Uh, the next day, I think it was a Saturday, she showed up at my doorstep, and she was like, I just want to let you know your son took the Corvette out and was speeding through the neighborhood. She was telling my mom. Well, my mom immediately grabbed the, the hair dryer cord and started chasing me around the house with the hair dryer. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Trying to beat the snot out of me. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so that was it. Nothing really came of it. Um, you what know, about Dad, though, Derek? What about Dad? It was so, his vet. Here's, here's the funny thing, right? So my dad and I always had a great relationship. A couple days later, of course, he was disappointed in front of mom and whatnot. So a couple days later, he I, he called me. I was I was at like doing some uh, yard work for a neighbor or something like that, like kids shops. And then um, he was like, "So he's like, just tell me real quick." He's like, "How'd you do? Oh. Like, did you did you stall it?" He's like, "How was it?" <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So he was cool with it, but uh, yeah, you you, cool. you got your beating, which you yeah, probably exactly. deserved. Nice. Yeah, exactly <laughs> All right. Thanks, Derek. Sometimes they're cool about it. It's like in uh, Catch Me If You Can, Leonardo DiCaprio, he's uh, pretending to be a teacher for yeah, like yeah. a month. <laughs> and he gets busted and, and his dad comes in with him and, and they get the sit down. And as they're leaving, they kind of look at each other and just start laughing about how <laughs> yeah. funny it was. Uh, let me go to, wow, very rarely do we have a Preston on the phone lines. Hey, Preston, you're on the air. Hey, guys, what's up? Hey, buddy, what did you hear about the time you messed up big time? You thought your parents were going to kill you. 
I'm actually going to tell you that my name is DJ, but I figured if I told him it was Preston. Smart move. You son of a bitch. I like it. What's up, buddy? All right, so when I was a kid, do you guys remember that Sharpie had those huge king-size metal permanent markers? Yes, I do, yeah. Yeah. Well, our kitchen had a nice, bright white linoleum floor, so me being the Picasso that I am, (laughs) I decided to put a mural across every square inch of that (laughs) kitchen floor. Oh, my God. God. Dude. Uh, How old were you? I was probably like four or five at the time, and I'm guessing the trauma of the punishment I got is so bad because I can't really remember how bad I got it, Yeah. but I know that my dad tried everything under the sun to get that permanent marker out. Erasers, gasoline. (laughs) One of his coworkers suggested mayonnaise, and he was like, all right, I think I'll try that. I'm not going to go to mayonnaise. Wow. Oh, man. (laughs) And I'm sure this is still a family story to this day. Oh, yeah. Every time, like, we just redid our kitchen. They're like, yep, last time we had to redo the floors when you decided. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. You guys rock. Uh, I want to read a couple more of these. Here's one that says, I was 14 years old playing with some dry ice trying to carbonate lemonade in a thermos. Uh, I left the top open a little bit to let the air out, but not enough. After a loud, deafening explosion, our ears were ringing and we could see the cap of the thermos embedded in our ceiling. So my mom and dad were glad I wasn't hurt, but I wasn't allowed to play with dry ice anymore. (laughs) (laughs) They put dry ice in and put a cap on it, and that expands. Oh, my God. uh, Wow. You can, you know, you start to talk. Any of these stories, just tacitly, I feel the angst and anxiety. And, you know, how many... I've been an adult for quite a while now, but yeah. you just revert to that kid terror. Mm-hmm. Here's another great one. My house growing up was on a hill with a steep sloped driveway. And one day I decided to ride down it in a computer chair that had wheels on it. <laughs> well, the ride down was fun until I hit the spot where the driveway met the road and one of the chairs completely broke off. So this isn't the, whole, yeah. the only thing that happens is I panicked. I quickly returned the chair to the computer room. I propped up on, I propped it up on the broken leg, hoping no one would notice. No one did. Till my stepdad took a seat in it, and the chair completely collapsed beneath him. Yeah. Now, sometimes you try to sell that. Hey, what'd What'd you do? do? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Wow. All right, let me see. Uh, What'd you do? I I got Mike R. on the line. Hey, Mike, you're on the air. Good morning. How you doing? You guys rock. Thank you. What's up, Mike? So I was probably about 11 years old, and uh, I grew up in the Midwest. Things were a little different. I'm probably about 40 now. So me and my friend went through my dad's closet, and he had a bunch of guns in there and stuff, and we find a canister of fine black gunpowder. Oh, my God. We decide that'll be fun to play with. Of course. And we we take apart some pens, and we're filling them up with this powder and putting, like, little wicks in them and trying to make these little rockets and stuff. Mm -hmm. And we got a couple to go off, and all of a sudden, one of them doesn't go off. So me and my friend go walking over towards it. My buddy's got this whole canister of powder in his hand still. And as we walk up to the one that didn't go off, it just, the whole thing explodes. A giant giant fireball and we both like cover our face to, to block our face we had like second degree burns up and down our arms Whoa. jesus okay so, so we're gonna freak out we don't know what to do so you know it hurts we're, we're holding our arms in cold water and stuff what, what are we gonna tell the old man when he comes home like he's gonna kill us yeah 
So we were in the Midwest. Like I said, we used to burn our garbage. So I said, you know what? We'll tell them that we were burning the garbage. A newspaper flew out and, like, wrapped around our arms. <laughs> Sounds good. So we go with that. But the old man didn't believe it. You know what I mean? Really? Yeah. To go no, on. Shocking. So, you know, kind of goes with it. And then suddenly, like two days later, we're outside walking, and there's the canister with both ends blowing off. And yeah, it all all came clear there. You knew what happened from that. Oh you you God. you try, and actually, all things considered, that that wasn't a bad deflection, but the clock was ticking. Hey, Preston, you had thanks, Mike. You've had your share of diversion stories uh, where your your was, dad didn't buy it for a second. I just I, I just thought of the one that I've told you guys before, and yeah. I wrecked my sister's truck. Man, <laughs> it was. Uh, <laughs> A guy was sitting in the in the <laughs> car next or in the in the cab next to me, and uh, I, I turned to talk to him. And as I did, I pulled the wheel to the right. I didn't realize <laughs> I did this. And next, instead of just going off onto the shoulder, there was a ditch, and at the base of a ditch was a chain link fence, <laughs> long one. It was like a like a water plant or something, you know, a water treatment plant or something like that. I was driving next to, and we. The whole side of the truck because we were doing, you know, maybe 45 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. And just. <laughs> I look over. He's got his hands on the dashboard uh, and, and the fence is whipping by. It's ripped off the side view mirror and just completely from bumper to bumper ripped up the entire side of Jesus the of the truck and I and I I jerked the wheel back up. We get up onto the road and stop. And my first thought is. Dad's gonna kill me. <laughs> now, Dad is gonna kill me. How long before the the did you get an immediate story concocted? Oh or, yeah. Okay, now and that okay. was the dog, right? The dog ran out. <laughs> By the way, there were there were chain link fences on both sides of this road. Sure, because yeah. it was a sprawling you know yeah. industrial area. The dog would have been nowhere near there. Right. And also, you know, the truth behind the story is not that bad of an excuse. You know what, Dad? Like, I just turned to talk to my friend, and uh, and I just lost control of the car. Somehow that seems yeah. that would have been a tough... Because he's like saying, hey, when I talk to people, I lose control of the car. Yeah. Well, the part that I left out was what I was saying to my friend as I turned was... Uh, Do you have those joints with you? <laughs> I never shared that with anybody. Uh, and uh, and we, weren't, we were on our way. This wasn't anywhere near the high school. We were going to high school for a basketball game. It was miles out of the way. Did I say high school? I meant an industrial park. Wiped it out. I told my dad it was a it was a uh, um, a dog, and he just kind of shook his head, and the anger is just seething. And then he gave me a ride to the basketball game. And years later, I confessed, and he just goes, "I knew, I knew it." I didn't ruin the car. I I think I got it was either one or two flat tires, but same thing. Um, I was in the the car with a friend, and we said that uh, a cat ran out in front of us. But what we were doing, we didn't just turn to each other. I think I told you this before. We were um, we had red licorice, the long strings, and so we were doing the lady and the tramp spaghetti yeah. eating, and uh-huh. I crashed into the trash cans up on the curb. And I think it, I think it was two flat tires. I think it was oh the, the driver's side uh, and then the back as well. Uh, there's a tweet in response to this what we're talking about right now it's from our friend jess margera uh says uh, me and bam 
were playing hide and seek when we were three and four years old. Let's hide from mom. Uh, it went on so long, the police found us in the basement storage cabinet. April called the cops. Oh, At least you guys never quit, man. Yeah, fortunately, that went on for the rest of their lives. You wrote it out. Wow. Those, uh, those are the worst. We were told not to go. There was a con- house construction at the end of our block. You know, when you're growing up and developments weren't completed, it was like no man's land. Yeah. So there's like, you know... Uh, so we, my friend, don't go there. Don't go in those houses. You yeah. go in those houses, you could die. You fall off. You don't know if those things are fully built. You don't know if those floors are stable. Of course, not only are we walking around, I'm riding my bike up the stairs yeah. and all yep. on the floors. And of course, you know, my dad pulls up, you know, and I'm, as <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no, yeah. But it's again. We, I don't. I, it must have been five hundred times we were told not to go there, and I still went. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Let me go to Mike's been on hold for like twenty five minutes. Hey, Mike, you're on the air. Good morning, Mike. Are you there, buddy? Yo, yeah, I am. Yeah, right. I'm here. Hey, what's I'm up, here. man? I just want to mention what Steve mentioned about going through the door with the glass. Yeah, that happened to me when I was like eight years old. Oh, yeah, my brother and I were playing Superman. <laughs> he went first through the door, hit the door part, went out. I went second. I went through the glass. <laughs> the and same I thing. I got seventeen stitches in my lower forearm, dude. Then I then I won because I, I, I and that's why. So the, honestly, that glass broke in a way that was not. You know, it was it was yeah. could be deadly. Yeah, but at least you were really hurt. And, yeah, and that didn't. Um, <laughs> you know, as opposed to dad's going to kill me. It's like, oh my god, I might die because yeah. I'm bleeding. Uh, yeah. But but uh, thank you, Mike, for bringing that up because a whole other conversation sometime might be. I was playing Superman, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> How many injuries do you think happen from playing, I playing full-on either wrestling, wrestling or superhero? Oh, wrestling or superhero. Superman, a full-on concussion. Oh, my God. No kidding. Yeah. No, I was I, playing I, Superman. <laughs> yep. yep. Because almost... you, st- you start to think, as a kid, I-, I can go up in a couple extra feet and make this jump. Mm-hmm. Right. But yep. wrestling... Because it's fake and you don't realize that as a kid, like, yeah. I almost paralyzed my friend Mike. I gave him a, 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 it's a DDT, right? I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, like, oh, I, I had who, no idea. I was anybody, like, dude, I'm going to do the DDT. Anybody who ever actually tried to give a pile driver to somebody in real oh life? Oh, my God. Uh, risk killing him. Bruce yeah. Lee. Bruce Lee caused many injuries for me. <laughs> there I, you I, go. I, when the Kung Fu craze first started and the show came on. Yeah. All right, we may have to come back to that sometime. I wrote it down. Let me go next to Christy. Hi, Christy. Good morning. Good morning, guys. I love your show. Oh, oh thank you. We love you, Christy. Thank you. What's the story when you thought your parents were going to kill you? Okay, so this was 1984. I lived on the main line. I was in ninth grade, and I went to school in the city, and I took the train every day. So my mom was away for a couple of days, and my older sister, uh, eight years older than me, was quote-unquote, taking care of me. Well, my my boyfriend, um, he lived in Chestnut Hill. Um, He came over after school, and we decided that he would sleep over Mm -hmm. since my mom wasn't there. And um, he hid in the, when my sister got home from work, he hid in the closet until she, like, went about her business. And then we, you know, he came out of the closet, and we just hung out in my room all night. Well, the next morning we decided let's pretend that we're going to school, but not. And then when my sister leaves for work, we'll come back to the house and just hang out all day. Mm -hmm. So it was a very snowy day and the train that I take to school crashed. 
and they took all of the people that were injured to the Bryn Mawr Hospital. So um, my sister heard this. My mom heard this. They called the school. I wasn't there. Oh, no. They called... um, they called the house. I didn't answer. They called my neighbor. My neighbor came over and knocked on the door. She's like, Christy, everybody's looking for you. The train crashed. What uh, are the know? freaking odds? Oh, yeah. Oh, what are the freaking the odds? train you would have been on. Yeah. 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 Now, now, but that wasn't, you know, the mm. other part of the story was that the boyfriend slept over. Yeah. Yeah. No, that we know that part. Yeah. And, and here we are sitting, eating cereal on a snowy day, <laughs> watching cartoons. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm in so much trouble. And my mother used to have the saying, she used to say, you can't snow the snowman. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, "She said uh, you can't snow the snowman. I know that there's more to this story, and oh. I'm going to get to the bottom of it. And it was that the boyfriend slept over. I don't even know if she ever found out. Well, but I- we I mean, the fact you were a lot, you weren't in it, you know, they, for the for a good portion of that, they're thinking you're buried under rubble or something after a train yeah, they're crash. Panicking. Yeah, they're panicking. <laughs> so, good. although your parents might say something like, that. "I wish you'd die." No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were dead. I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> wish exactly. you're dead. Yeah. I, I, seriously, I feel like nauseous just even thinking about. Well, it. Like, that, that's a classic. There. There's yeah. a classic Laurel and Hardy Thanks. movie called Sons of the Desert, where they 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 say they're gonna go for physical therapy and they're gonna go do this. And what they're really doing is they're going off to a convention with all their rowdy, you know, lodge mates. Mm-hmm. And uh, the ship that they were supposed to be on that took them to this place it sinks, unbeknownst to them. Mm-hmm. So they get the wives are like they're looking in the newspaper and they're they're home and. So we couldn't help but notice that the ship you were on sank. Yeah. And, and uh, um, oh, yeah, well, we... Um, uh, we swam. We ship hiked. <laughs> you ship hiked? I love it. All right, well, it's happened to all of us. It's If you've got kids, it's going to happen to them most likely. So just a heads up on that, and thanks for sharing the stories. Love MMR? Buy some gear. Check out the Rock Shop at WMMR.com. Snazzy. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Now, WMMR presents Preston and Steve's Bizarre Final. Well, I have to lead with a story that has the words Tornado of Poop. Tornado of Poop. Yes. I'm all ears. A tornado of poop hit residents in Massachusetts last week after an underground blockage caused raw sewage to wildly expel from toilets. Four homes in Melrose, a city about 10 miles north of Boston, experienced a storm which began Thursday morning. Uh, Oh my God! Tornado! Silvano Ortiz, a resident, said, I was getting ready for work and then I heard a bubble. Oh, no. It was a crazy scene. I literally, it literally spun and flowed out. The woman captured the moment a tornado of poop started forming and started spewing out. She got it on video. Tornado! Shows a dark, murky liquid bursting from the toilet bowl at her home on Brazil Street. It's like a poop geyser. She said the unsanitary experience destroyed everything, including her wedding dress, floors, walls, and entire bathroom. She keeps her wedding dress in her bathroom? Uh, She said it's going to cost about (laughs) $8,000 to rid her home of the sewage. Uh, She also said it took the city of Melrose a full day to respond when she requested assistance about the incident. I said, I don't know what's more disgusting, the feces in my living room or the way the city is responding to it. Uh, the feces in the living room. Uh, Mayor Gail Inferna 
blamed the backup on a main sewer line that was blocked and said the Department of Public Works employees responded immediately after receiving the call in the area about a potential water issue. The sewage blockage has been repaired and the ensuing damage remains under investigation. But tornado of poop. Years ago, a uh, neighbor's septic tank backed up into the house. Oh, that was wonderful. I can imagine. Yeah. A Nebraska man accused of fatally strangling a 24-year-old woman after wooing her through an online dating app with his girlfriend stunned the courtroom when he cut his own throat several oh times during his murder trial on Monday. Uh, Bailey is, this is what he said, uh, the guy's name is Aub- Aubrey Trail, and he yelled, Bailey is innocent and I curse you all. Is in the middle of court on Monday before reportedly slashing the right side of his neck. Did they say what he used to slash his neck? It was not immediately clear what he used to cut himself. Trail is on trial for the first-degree murder of Sidney Loof, who went missing for 19 days after a Tinder date. Her body was finally found in December 2017 in garbage bags scattered amongst ditches and farm fields in rural Nebraska. Prosecutors allege that Trail conspired for weeks to lure Loof to her death with the help of his 24-year-old girlfriend, Bailey Boswell. Both Trail and Boswell pleaded not guilty last July to first-degree murder. If convicted, they faced the death penalty. After cutting himself in court, Trail fell out of the wheelchair he's been using during the trial and onto the floor. He appeared pale and was unresponsive as deputies rushed him to administer first aid. A stretcher was brought into the courtroom, and Trail was put into an ambulance to be taken to the hospital. The outburst came in the second week of the murder trial. Oh, well, that didn't work. A uh, trailer admitted that he hid the 24-year-old's body out of fear, pleaded guilty to disposing her body in June. Authorities found Lou's body in several garbage bags, like I said, about an hour and a half drive from her apartment complex. The tra- uh, Trail's court-appointed lawyer, Joe Murray, argued that in his opening statement that Loof was a willing participant in a sexual encounter with Trail and two other women and was accidentally choked to death. Sick effing people out there. Yep. Uh, The King County Sheriff's Office said it's investigating after a man reportedly tripped and was accidentally shot by his own rifle earlier this month while chasing a black bear off his uncle's property. (laughs) Richard Hibbs. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard Hibbs spoke from his hospital bed in Seattle where he's been uh, for the last several weeks and said that he was chased by the bear, not the other way around, and that the encounter almost took his life. He said, I know I could have died. Officer, that's not what happened at all. Uh, Hibbs said that he first saw a bear in the morning that day on the rural property where he lives alone. He said it's about a thousand pound black bear just walking through the driveway. Uh, He said he was bringing firewood inside later that day when he encountered the bear. He said, I heard this twig break, and I turned, and I saw the bear. Hib said that he bolted. And I see you. He said, the weapon I was carrying fell to the ground, and it went off. The worst pain imaginable. Deputy said that Hibbs was taken to the hospital in critical condition, said that he had several surgeries on his leg and is currently not able to walk on his own. Uh, He disputes the... Uh, what the deputies said had happened. He said, I didn't chase the bear. It chased me. Who in their right mind chases a bear? So, Hib said that. <laughs> that is a good question. Hib said he's seen five bears in this spring on his uncle's property. The I've most, seen five of them. He said, uh, this is the most active bear season I've seen in my life. Uh, I does not want to go back to the home. Said He said, I see the bear's face when I go to bed. I'm coming for you. <laughs> yeah. so freaked him out a bit. Death yeah. is coming for you. Uh, let's see. You want another bear story? Yeah, please. All right, how about this? A black, yeah, how about another one? A black bear was tranquilized and relocated Friday after letting himself into a residence, making himself at home and giving law enforcement a chuckle. The bear had somehow gotten into the house's mudroom and locked himself inside. 
Uh, Jamie Jonkel uh, said the door had been ajar. Uh, Jamie Jonkel said it was ajar? Yeah, Jamie Jonkel is a wildlife Jeez. specialist, and he said uh, Jamie Jonkel said the, the door was ajar. Uh, and he said he must have tested it and stepped inside. That door is not a jar. It's a door. A f- <laughs> <laughs> when is a door I not a door? When it's a jar. That's right. A Facebook post from the sheriff's office said the I feel weird. Uh, the bear began ripping the room apart once it realized it couldn't get out. The bear eventually gave up trying to force his way out. And, oh, this is one of those escape rooms. And then he climbed on top of a shelf of a closet to fall asleep. They have a picture of him up on top of the shelf wow, a, looking a, down a at him. A bear that big? Yeah. Uh, it was the first call of the day for uh, Corporal Zach Sargent and Deputy Andrew Beatty. The family had been woken up by the racket downstairs, called 911. They had given the responding deputies a pretty clear picture of what was going on. But even so, Sergeant looked in the mudroom window toward the ground, thinking that the bear would still be digging through trash or hiding underneath something. Uh, there's the hidden compartment in this copy of Moby Dick. The two tried to rouse the bear and eventually got the door open and uh, tried to draw him out. And he said, uh, Beatty said, I was assuming the bear would just come running out of there, but... He went back to bed. <laughs> he said he would just look at us and yawn. Never did anything aggressive towards us. At that point, the officers settle in to wait for the bear to either wander out of the door or fish wildlife and parks to arrive with tranquilizers. And they did, and they shot and tranquilized the bear. Uh, Jonkle characterized the bear as a typical young male around three years old and about 70 pounds. Uh, the bear was relocated to the foothills of the Mission Mountains Northeast of Missoula. So Thank you, Jamie Jungle. Yeah, there you go. That is what I have in the bizarre file this morning. Activate the Preston and Steve Show podcast. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. The trash business is a gold mine. 93.3 WMMR with Preston and Steve's Hollywood Trash. And it's brought to you by New Jersey Transit Police Department, reminding you that we all need to work together to keep our transit system safe. Report suspicious activity to 188-TIPS-NJT or text your report to NJTPD. What's going on this morning, Steve? Well, as we were just talking about Ariana Grande, thinking she got a tattoo of the name of her newest album, Seven Rings, written in Japanese, but finding out it actually says Japanese barbecue. Regardless, Grande says she's going to follow the Japanese quote on her ribs, which she just learned actually says smelly cooter fart. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Whoa. Yeah. Ace Freely accusing Gene Simmons of once groping his wife years ago. Freely says he was so furious when he found out that he could barely stay aroused during a groupie orgy. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> and finally, Charles Dion McDowell. This is the criminal who became a viral sensation for having a ridiculously wide neck. Is back behind bars after his bail was revoked. McDowell has been ordered to appear before a judge in a suit and is making plans to use his seatbelt as a bow tie. <laughs> Did you see this guy? No. Who's this? Big, so this is the, the guy. It, it was kind of uh, yeah, this guy. Look at look at the neck on this dude. Yeah, it's massive. It's wider than his head. Wow. Wow. Uh, he's ready to go. Yes. He's on the phone line, and uh, he's going to be in town. He and Jeff Ross, who is he that I am speaking of, ladies and gentlemen, one of our favorites, David Town. Yeah. On the phone. Hey, Dave. Guys, how are you? We're What's great. up? We are great, man. We're doing well, just uh, trying to make our way through the week. Where are you right now? Well, I'm uh, in New York, and uh, to be honest, 
I'm a little um, blown away with the uh, Doris Day thing. Uh, <laughs> the Doris Day thing. Were you a fan? I, I seriously was a Doris Day fan. It was, uh, I mean, at Not 90s. Not only was I a fan, I think I'm the youngest fan. <laughs> and I'm 54 years old. <laughs> no, it's, it's true. There, yeah, that, that, but there was a time, man. I, like, I even remember the Doris Day TV show, but... Uh, uh, you know, uh, I uh, like uh, the the four thirty movie. Growing up in New York, they'd have all those uh, those uh, uh, Rock Hudson, Doris Day uh, movies, and because kind of like something you got used to. So, but at ninety seven, it's not as yeah. if it wasn't expected. What a life! Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So, yeah. and uh, you know, uh, speaking of old, uh, <laughs> me and Jeff. <laughs> Uh, the two guys, we will be at the Brigada, and uh, it's a big holiday week, and so we added a show. Nice. We had sold out a show, and we said, hey, you know what, let's add a show. Nice. And uh, that way we can, you know, beat the traffic. <laughs> yeah, it's right. all about beating the traffic. You get to that point in entertainment, and you got to play the traffic right. Well, this is great because, you know, fans of, of the uh, the Bumping Mics uh, show on Netflix, and, and, and listen, you guys, obviously, you're great together. It's a great a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of yeah. fun. The Borgata is perfect for uh, for comedy. So, that, and you guys, you, you must be having a blast doing this. And here's the be- here's the beauty of it. You yeah. know, my friend goes, "Hey, I want to come to the show," and I'm like, uh, "Well, why aren't you?" And they're like, uh, "You know, there's no hotel rooms in Atlantic City." I go, "Hey, whatever happens to sleeping in your car? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you ever been to Atlantic City?" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's the only way you know your car will be there if you sleep. In it. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Hey, I saw Dave. I saw uh, a pic of you and uh, Bert Kreischer and Gilbert Gottfried together. I guess Bert's got a, a a cooking show. You guys are on there together. Yes. Yeah. That's uh, boy. That Bert is so funny. He's such a good guy. Yep. He reminds me a lot of myself when I was a lot younger with a. Uh, with a liver that worked. He really knows how to drink this kid. Oh, my God. Oh, and, my uh, God. Yeah. It was me and Gilbert. And uh, Bert is kind of like trying to do this, like, you know, I guess you could call it like the, uh, you know, uh, like a galloping gourmet, you know, John Ramsey kind of thing where he kind of cooks and talks at the same time. So it was it was fun, but he's not that great a cook, you know. No, no, but he, he, he does. He <laughs> The show is good because he, he is at home in the kitchen. What he's exactly doing there, no one knows, but... Uh, it, but it, but it is good, and it's it's a good. There's something very relaxing about it. Gilbert is yeah. so is so great, and he's he's so. Um, it's it's funny because when he comes in and does the show here, he comes in and he's, you know, very very quiet, sedate. The second you know the on air lights come on, boom, he's Gilbert. Uh, is that your experience with him when you do shows with him? When I'm with Gilbert, I feel like I'm kind of almost like his interpreter. Like, Bert will ask something Gilbert, and Gilbert will look at him puzzled, and I'll go like, you know, he wants to know what it was like in Brooklyn. And Gilbert will, like you said, turn on and be Gilbert. Yeah, yeah. Gilbert is, he, he, I would say Gilbert is not um, not the most improvisational, but when he is on, there is nobody better. He is one of my favorites. He definitely is, I think, an icon of comedy. And, uh, you know, his wife, Dara, is really the guiding force behind that team there. She puts together his podcast and, like, you know, all of his dates and everything like that. She packs his bag, you know, like that kind of thing. And uh, without her, the whole the whole uh, thing would fall apart. But yeah. Gilbert is definitely – that's so cool that you guys have him on so much because for the fans, I mean, like, Gilbert definitely is a treasure. He oh, yeah. Is, yeah. Like I- the kind of treasure you find in – 
like hours after cleaning out a hoarding house. <laughs> that's that's what kill a cop. That kind of treasure. Choices that you find like a rare coin. You're like, whoa, an Indian head. Like the, awesome. The, the dead woman's been taken out. Yeah, like, the 30 dead cats. cats. Yeah, just like a fish tank, nothing in it, you know, yeah. all those things. <laughs> and then there's Gilbert Godfrey. Oh, that's my great. God. I, I love how generous you are. And I'm not just talking about with your money and, and, and things like that. Time. Don't forget my time. Hey, yeah. time. Well, that's what I was going to talk about. You're, you're super generous with, you know with how your... many how many bad screenplays I've listened to <laughs> over the over the years. Yeah, like a friend who's like, I'm just going to lie to join, and then I just want to read you something. Oh. And it's always like a screenplay. It's never like a like a quick joke or anything. It's right. Like a long. Uh, whatever, Mueller report. I'm like, what? <laughs> the Mueller report you get right. Like, just, uh, just let me, just a couple of pages, all right? Like, two or three hundred pages. Man. But I also, I also, no, I loved how, how generous you are with, with the stage time, because I, I watched Bumping Mics, and I'm, I'm telling you, like, yeah. you could have just been the only person on the stage and, and killed, but, like, I, you're, I, I guess you're just such a fan of comedy and, and these other comedians that you work with that, you know, you just you purposely are taking a back seat to to give them the spotlight, and I, and I love that about you. Well, here's the cool thing about working with Jeff is like Jeff knows everybody, and Jeff also the one thing that we both love is that like we want it to be fun for like the crowd. Yeah, any comics we bring up, and especially ourselves, like we we love like the kind of spontaneity of it. Like you guys, you know, you roll with the guests, and like that's really what makes it special, and the audience loves it. And that's the same thing with the bumping mic thing. It's like, you know. Whoever is in the room is on the show, whether they know it or not. And, like, when Jeff's around, it definitely is, like, we get some A-listers. We get his whole family will be there. I mean, so there's a lot of people to play with. So it's always fun to do that. And the fact that we, you know, the director, Andrew, he, he totally got it right away. He's like, you know, this is as important part of it as any joke. And that's the cool thing that we do because we do that, like, when we're doing it for ourselves, like, just fun, quick shows or, like, a long show. You know, we love to have other people on stage with us. And that's. I think what the best part about comedy is that, like, it is that flexible, you know, that you can really take it that way. And a lot of people do it. Not people are as, as good at it as Jeff is. And Jeff is really good. I mean, like, he's trained, like, from, I, I'll say, a decades of roasting. I mean, like, he is great with, like, regular people anywhere, everywhere, all the time. He can do it. And, like, I have that kind of same skill, you know, from doing the Insomniac show and just... Yep. Selling shoes, so I know how to do talk to people, but you know, not every comic can do it. A lot of them are kind of like shut down, you know. Well, you know what it is? It's a throwback to, and I love this, this, you know, the older style of variety show, Carson in the early days, and yeah, and and that sort where just people would show up, you'd panel, they'd hang out. Hey, how would this guest jibe with this guy? And uh, you just throw it out there, and 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 every time you, know, you watch the show, people just love it. And, you know, you've had, what, Paul Rudd and uh, Amy Schumer and Bob Sag. You've had people show up. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Look, uh, what, how about Bruce Willis? I mean, like, that guy, you know, another, another like, I never thought he would come by. You know? Yeah. I mean, and it, that sort of stuff. So let me ask you. I don't know if you have any indicators. I mean, obviously, you, you run a, a, a sort of an open a playing field. But any anybody you know might show up at the Borgata shows? Or, you know, who will be in town? Have you done any investigating? Or you're just... Well, I'm taking his feelers out to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh my God! Yeah, that Black was... Kodak. That's uh, a holiday weekend. Man. A lot of a lot of emails. Now, I don't know. I, I really I know it's a holiday weekend, <laughs> so I really have no idea 
who who would be in town. But, uh, you know, with Jeff, you know, he always invites – here's a call I always get from Jeff, like, when we're getting close to the gig. It's like, hey, can I um, – you're not using your comps, are you? Because I have, like, four cousins and, like, an Instagram – uh, celebrity that I really want to get in the show. I'm like, oh, sure, go ahead. Yeah, you know, like that yeah. kind of thing. So <laughs> we never know. And, uh, to, to, you know, the Brigada is a really cool room. It really is. I think every comic loves the fact that it's like, it, it's its own entity. I mean, you guys have been there a million times. Yeah. It really is a great place to do, you know, just straight up stand up and, like, you know, from Seinfeld to, to us, like, everybody definitely likes to go to the, um, Everybody just loves the crowd because you get, like, the best of the best. You get the Jersey. You get the South Philly, you know. You might even get a few uh, interlopers in from Maryland. You never know. <laughs> that's you know. Hey, listen, if you score uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, yeah, that's... That would be great. Uh, that'll, make, that'll make the I'm papers. <laughs> and that'll you know what? I will say, uh, you know, I also go on the road alone. Like, this weekend I'll be in Albany. Right. And there are some times when I'm on the road alone and I'm like, yeah, I wish Jeff was here, you know, because uh, I'm sure the crowd feels the same way. But <laughs> I, I'd be like, you know... It would be cool to, like, you know, riff with him right now. But, yeah. you know, I also do like to – I like doing my own thing, too, the straight sure. up, you know, like full tilt, you know, a lot of jokes. I'm a joke guy, so that's what I did. And when you brought up uh, Bert, you know, Bert's on, like, this massive tour, like 200 cities and stuff. And we're all on the road all the time. Like, Gilbert is, I am, whatever. So, like, when we all get together, it's a fun time, you know. It's like a chance to, like, really just kind of let it out. And, um, you know – I'll say one thing about Bird and, like, uh, the next generation of comics. These guys are a lot of fun. They get it. They're really connected to the fans. They kind of I, – I, well, I'll say right now, it's like 24-7 with the fans. You know, it's like yeah. as we were doing the cooking show, we was also tweeting and, yeah. in, you know, Instagramming, all that kind of stuff. Things that back in the day, like, you know, I was going to ask Gilbert, like, did you ever, like, think of sending out a – I guess not a tweet, maybe a telegraph or a uh, – <laughs> Like send out random yeah. telegrams to people. To thank the club. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Like Pony well, Express. Yeah, you see a lot of those guys. Their um, their stars are definitely rising, and they're going from playing clubs, and now they're doing theaters and stuff yep. like that. And 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 I love how. Well, I mean, you you can play so many different types of of rooms, and it doesn't necessarily change your act one bit. I've seen. I saw you at the Wilbur up in uh, in Boston. I've seen you another great Helium. theater. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, so I wanted to I wanted to let you know. I wasn't sure if you were aware of this, but uh, Preston Steve probably won't bring this up, but um, but they're being awarded next month for the uh, National Association of Broadcasters for their efforts for the Camp Out for Hunger. And so you came out and did our comedy show this past year. And I wanted to let you know about the totals. This past year, uh, with your help, uh, Dave, we raised uh, uh, over 1.8 million pounds of food and almost $200,000. And, um, wow. and And we really wanted to thank you because you offered to headline that yep. comedy night on yeah. Monday night. Like, we, we didn't even have to come to you. You came to us, and we really appreciate that. Yep. Can I can I say one thing? I've done a lot of benefits, but that one to me is the most organic, and I hate, I know that that one is used, overused that word, but it's so organic where people pull up, they bring the food, they get to hang out, they see you guys on the mic, there's, you know, things going on, and then there's a show. To me, it seems like that's how they all should be. It's exciting. I think it's really exciting. Oh, that's all. I mean, honestly, I mean, to Casey's point, yeah. It's- but there were so many good comments. Uh, Voss was there. Uh, uh, what's his name? Joe was there too, right? Yeah, you yeah, brought yeah. Louis Katz. 
Louis Katz. There were so many good comics there. But uh, what I was going to say is, like, I wonder how much money they would have raised if we if I didn't go on. <laughs> no man, you. You're 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 self-deprecating, which is a trait we all we all love. But you are you're definitely a, a major attraction and. I wanted to ask you about. Um, I know your your desire, and you talk about the the comedians, you know, and the various generations about your Mount Rushmore of comedians. Um, oh, that's you, a good, yeah. yeah. And and who who's who's ending up on that right now for you? Mm, that's a tough one because uh, of the a living or dead. I mean, you you pick it, you pick it. Well, the dead ones are always the always the ones that I feel like need need the most credit. But I, you know, I I, I feel like it's ad nausea that I talk about it. But uh, like. Patrice, Mitch Hedberg, and Geraldo were the three that I did know, and I was—I always think that they're kind of like in the comedy world, they're well known, and then like on the outskirts of the comedy world, you know, like the—I uh, yeah. guess you could say the next level. Few people know of them, and like they should really check them out. You I know, think Greg you're right, Gir- Greg Geraldo. We had getting him on the show here was was great. That the times he came in, he's mm-hmm. like you—you you know, you're a comedian's comedian. I mean, the, the the wealth of sharp material and observational stuff. And it's just, it even still blows my mind to think that he's not around because you look at, you know, Jeff is obviously the roast master, but when Geraldo would get onto a roast, he would say things. Oh, yeah. It was a knife fight. I mean, like, there was no holding back. There was definitely a few years where it was like Jeff and Lisa Lampanelli and uh, Greg where, where it was like, you know, everybody was thrown in. There was no pulling of punches. I mean, that was a different time. You could really look back on the the unpeaceiness of that. And yeah, like, uh, he so the t- one thing about Jeff, he's fearless, and I really do give it to him because I do work with a filter. I've said this on radio. I've said every, it's like I work with a filter. I get it now. Like yeah. what? What? It's like for me, it's like you know, hide the joke, hide, hide what you're really talking about. Like if it's politics or whatever, try and make it more like where it's something about else and you know like a twilight zone you know it's like right. oh that was about the cold war i didn't know that i thought it was you know <laughs> something like that so i try and do that it's kind of like a, i guess you could say it's more of a psych out on myself but with jeff he'll just blurt it out you know it doesn't even have to be a joke he'll get it out it's always like the elephant in the room he wants to get it out and then he'll talk about it and you know i i really do applaud that especially for guys who've been doing it this long like us for, for him to go like you know what you know it's ridiculous funny is funny that's what he thinks yeah that, and I agree with him that, that, like, you know, everybody should be able to take a punch. Yeah. And that the fun of it is that um, these are just jokes and that, you know, everybody at the end, they might groan or whatever, but they had a good time and they yeah. know they did, you know, and that's that's really what it should be. I guess the younger generation, they overthink or they've been taught that, like, certain things are taboo and all that kind of stuff. Good, good for them, but I don't see them having such a great time. You know, <laughs> Listen, I don't green tea right now, talking about the keto diet <laughs> with a total stranger. So, I mean, that's not a great time either. You know? I know that the big, the big, uh, you know, um, uh, immortal names like Carlin and, and Pryor and yeah. so forth on, on the Mount Rushmore deserve to be oh, there. For but... me, I would say Sam Kennison. Yeah, I would put Bill Hicks up there. Carlin, who I am, you know, like a huge fan of, because he's kind of like the George Washington of like the the new, I guess you could say the new comic. But you know, like the people that I would want to see, the people I've seen, and the people I'd like to see would be Sam Kinison. It would be, of course, um, you know, Rodney Dangerfield again. I'd love to see him again. He was the most giving to all the comics. He really was the one who like started a bunch of careers, helped people along, really enjoyed his success. And, like, there's very few people that I think really do success well. One of them is uh, Ron White. He's a great guy. Oh, yeah. On and off the stage, he's a lot of fun. He's super funny. 
And like he'll roll into like the comedy store in L.A. and just do a, a set. You know, he will you, not. He doesn't care. He's a comic. It's not like it doesn't have to be a big theatrical production. He's like, I just want to do a set. You know, and he'll just roll up. But you said uh, you said Patrice O'Neill, and Ugh. dude, he was one of the most naturally funny guys. Yeah, I've ever experienced. I mean, he he would have a load of fun with all the hypocrisy now because that was his big thing. Is just like you know that's not true and that wouldn't happen. And he loved to call people on that. Yeah, so he was he spot really on. Have a field day. He, yeah, he or may I say a buffet of great times. <laughs> <laughs> you know who's the guy, guy? You know who's the guy who doesn't get mentioned, and, and I don't know if you're a fan, but uh, Jackie Vernon. Do you remember Jackie Vernon? Yes, I do. But yeah. I can't like say a bit of his. But I would say that definitely is like three generations of comics before me, if yeah. not more. You know. Those are the guys who, you know, their road was the Borscht Belt, you know, like yeah. go to the mountains and all those kind of gigs. So I give it up to those guys, too. They really did, like, you know, that was really the wilds of comedy, you know. Uh, that's, uh, that's a different time than now. Now it's like you play like a coffee house somewhere, you know, virtual reality. <laughs> Talking about the keto diet. Well, since yeah. you're throwing all these names out here, I did have somebody text earlier this morning and wanted to ask if uh, uh, if you've talked to Amy Schumer since she had the baby. We know you yes, guys are tight. And did she, did she name the baby after you? Somebody? No. Okay. She, she has the middle name is my name, which is compliment. Okay. And I asked her immediately, so do I have to put him through college? <laughs> uh, like, now. But she so always been so good to me and like uh you know i know her for years so it was the ultimate co- uh compliment i guess and uh you know i i immediately was like you know i feel sorry for that kid you know <laughs> but uh you know it's, it's he's adorable she's doing great so yes it was a, it was a very um it was a very big uh i guess you could say shock yeah but uh that's cool i said why don't you just you know Give him a more successful name, you know. Just like, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, Bill Gates, Warren Schumer, <laughs> yeah, Warren Buffett. I love it, man. Well, listen. Uh, so, two shows. Both of these are being filmed for bumping mics. Oh uh, no, we won't be filming. Okay. I'm telling you right just now, we won't fun. be filming. We're on the road now. Like a lot of it is like just you know, Jeff and I. We both go do different things. Jeff has another show that's coming out on Netflix. Uh, this August, uh, the historical roast where he, they dress up in uh, as historical costumes. Oh, love it! And do it. So oh, wow. And that's uh, I would say that this is the uh, what would I say? This is like the final Avengers movie in the <laughs> roasting um, uh, franchise. There, okay. but it, now he's he's excited about it. I've heard about it. I haven't seen it yet, but I know it's going to be hilarious. So check that out. Right. We will be working on our stuff, but uh, not really much taping. But like I said, you never know what's going to happen. And for those of us, uh, for those of the uh, people who are going, really be careful. It is a holiday weekend. Yes. Right. Get yep, to the absolutely. show and sleep in your car. Yep. That's yeah, exactly. And can I say it again? I am so excited for you guys. Congratulations. What a well-deserved honor, uh, the uh, the award and all that kind of stuff. I think you. it's great. And, uh, you know, once again, you guys are angels, man. You're good to the comics. Hey, you're good to the people. So. And thank you for the love. We know you went on with uh, Rogan uh, since last time we spoke and, and had some nice to see. Yeah, uh, another say. big fan of you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we, we love appreciate you as well. it. We so thanks, Dave. We appreciate the love, man. All right, guys. All right, take so care. see somebody at the show. Yeah, you got we'll it. Dave there, the yeah. guys. And uh, Jeff Ross, what can you say, man? God, man. He's amazing. He, I mean, they're, they're, and they they are never not freaking hilarious. Yep. The Preston and Steve Show Podcast. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks.